And the fact that you listen, we are very, very thankful for AJ, never cease to amaze me with your toxicity, pal. You got a couple of these? God <laughs> damn it! What the fuck are you doing? Fuck Boston Cops! Hello, beautiful people! It is Winter Wednesday, September 21st. 2022. Now we go. It is all the way here. It is a beautiful day. Brand new intro. We'll have to find the rhythm of that to start each and every single sports stooge, dumbass sports show live from the FanDuel Thunderdome here for our third straight day. Only been out of the last office for three days. Landlord says we need to get that stuff out of there by tomorrow. It is a wild world when uh, you have a little bit of change. It is a wild world whenever you have to deal with new technology. It is a wild world when you have partnerships with people like the NFL Films and now Game Day and Omaha and everything we have popping off. But we are so incredibly fortunate to be able to do this every day, and we thank you so much for watching us. Joining me on this stage here in the FanDuel Thunderdome, the Toxic Table at Ty Schmidt and at Boston Connor. I see we haven't got the feet things figured out, but you boys look fantastic, Connor. Oh, thank you, Pat. You look fantastic, too. We haven't got the feet things, you know, figured out, but I do have Be Here Now by Rom Doss, of course, that Aaron recommended last year underneath the uh, little cardboard box situation we have. So it's going fine. I think it gets the job done, perhaps. I, I think there's, yeah, so Connor's got three books there, yeah, there uh, stacked on a cardboard box that was just laying around, and Scholar. there's going to be quite a, um, did you call him a scholar at Darius J. Butler who's joining us? Yeah, you're because not only is that a genius move, Mm -hmm. because this was a problem that we didn't know we were going to have until we sat down on these chairs, and Boston Connor figured it out quickly, but that's because there is a lot of cardboard boxes around places. we got wooden boxes in places. That's right. The whole moving process is quite a pain in the ass at Schmidt. That's what I feel like I'm learning here, and I don't know if I'll ever build something ever again or move ever again. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone knows how much moving, like uh, whether it's moving from a new apartment to a to a new apartment like that sucks by about a hundred with how much shit we had to move into this place and yeah it's i mean it's one of those things where it's awesome to be here but we're going to be moving in for probably next year yeah i would so like i felt to make the decision to move here had you know a lot of people live in this area commute downtown not fun do it anymore Thanks for the downtown boys who now have to travel out here. Also, downtown, what downtown has become is not fantastic right now. It'll it'll all get figured out. Like, it felt like it was right to do this. I completely lost Like, lost in my, oh, this is going to be great. And it is. It is. It it will be. And it is. There is certainly lost in that was all the bullshit, all the fuckery. Sure. And there's been a lot of incredible people that have worked here, and we're very thankful for all of them. I mean, but there's been some shit that you can never imagine to happen. We almost weren't able to go live today to record the show today. Very close. Third day here. Third day here. Wow. Obviously, got to get our shit out of the downtown office by tomorrow. Right. Of course. Okay, I understand. Mm-hmm. Paid through January, but. I was going to say, I didn't. Think. I have to get out. Have okay, to get out. By, right. Excuse me. We were wondering. <laughs> did you have you to know, pay a fee to get out as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Did that. Yeah. Okay. Did the whole thing. I mean, that's Jeez. the way. Hey, this business is done the way business has been done, I guess. That's sure. just how it all goes. And I completely respect and appreciate it uh, that you guys have been able to do that to people for so long. I'm very happy that I'm getting out of the business and will never be in that business ever again, having to deal with that but that is what's coming with this entire thing is a process mm-hmm. of figuring stuff out third day here almost weren't able to go live first day 
obviously had the audio issues that none of us knew about. Right. Sure. Yesterday felt pretty good. Show it went did. pretty Great well. There's a couple audio things, I guess, that happened because we were sent a box from a company that we paid a lot of money to, untested. So the first time it was really being used was the last couple of days. So okay. it doesn't matter how many hmm. stress tests you did, probably weren't going to be able to figure it all out. Uh, and then today, yeah, right before we went live, weren't able to record anything. Had to do something for NFL Films. Did it three times. Thought we recorded it. Didn't record any of it. Had to fix it. Now we're alive. Fucking A. Thank you to everybody. How about it? Here we go. Figured it out. It is not a fun, like, morning over here yet, but (laughs) immediately after the shows, it's always awesome. It is. Mm -hmm. As soon as the show ends, it's awesome over here, and I think if that is what life is going to become, it's going to be great. If not, I'm going to look back on this decision that I made, okay? This is 100% on me, uh, that I made. I'm going to go, oh, probably should have waited maybe a year, let that thing figure itself out. Have other shows that aren't live just be fake shows. Go test for like six months. Right. You know, just nobody will see these. Just nope. kind of speak mm-hmm. into the microphone for a few hours. I think that's the only way to really get it done. So anybody else that is building a studio, that's my advice. Sure. Take it or leave it. Take, take <laughs> it. Should take. take it or leave it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It sounds like it's ridiculous, but I feel like that's really the only way to go about doing it. But I am thankful to be here. I'm excited to be here. And we mentioned him earlier because he dropped a great line about how smart Connor and Ty do look, which we do have to get fixed. We'll do something different than cardboard boxes, hopefully. Uh, at Darius J. Baller is here. Happy to be here, man. It sounds like y'all been going through a lot of shit, and sorry about it. But uh, <laughs> I flew in. I fly in for my couple of days, and this place is fucking awesome. Okay. Man. This shit is yeah. dope, man. Happy so you I'm glad like you it. made the decision to move in. Okay. I'm, so I'm happy you like it. You yeah. have the coolest sunglasses of all time on yeah. your face mm-hmm. right now. Bright in here. It is. Well, it is Not bright in here. Oh, it wasn't day one, though. We've had to do some light configuration, mm-hmm. uh, which also changes the white balance on every camera, uh-huh. uh, which there's 20-some of them in here. So then that's a whole thing in the back yeah. end uh, that I'm learning about and percentages of this. It is, you know, it is interesting. The lights are coming together. They are. Definitely. A lot of hard work been done on the lights, and I don't think people can really respect it till you're in the middle of it. The lights are bright, but I don't think... <laughs> there will ever be a time to take those sunglasses off. No. You look so cool right now. I hope you know that. I appreciate that, man. I had to throw them on. Ray Bannon got me. They got me for the price, but I think they're worth it. Conversation happening about Shanahan's offense hurting people. Did you hear that happening no. this morning? No. Uh, hurting quarterbacks or something like that. Because Jimmy got hurt numerous times. Mm. Trey now got hurt. Oh, so the question is just... A, I think Shanahan was his coach there. Yeah. Matt Ryan was able to go through the offense, though, right? Yeah. yeah. I think Kellen Moore's offense, I guess, gets quarterbacks hurt, too, because Dak got hurt twice now as well. So what's that about? <laughs> hmm. Huh. It is something that people are asking, though. Yeah. It's a weird this, question. It's ridiculous. Bro, sports media, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you That's just... Wow, oh, we're not even getting yeah, into yeah, okay. yeah. We okay. are not getting into it. <laughs> Good. What is the, why, why do we got to do that? Why, why do we, why do we got to just make up the most absurd questions to start conversations about burying people? You know? It's like a what if to bury somebody. Yeah, it's beat fun. around the bush. It's fun? Yeah, it's fun. Gets, why the, not? gets the people going. Just joking. Yeah. It gets the people going. I mean, I understand that type of shit in like March or April. Yeah. But it's like, this is game week. This is week three. We got we got <laughs> Thursday we night actually, football. Yeah, we have shit to talk about. There is Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns tomorrow night, Thursday night football on Amazon. Remember last Thursday, Amazon uh, Sports head Jay Marine came out and told the Amazon folks that it was the most signups for Amazon in Amazon's history in a single day. The NFL game between the Chargers and the Chiefs. Great game. Mm-hmm. The NFL blessed Amazon with a great game for the first Thursday yeah. night football. And Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit are two voices that are very known mm-hmm. in the football 
football world. I guess there were some people saying some stuff about not having Al on a Sunday, having him on a Thursday, and maybe Herbie. Oh, we're used to him in college. We're not used to him in the NFL. They're fucking both great at what they do. Yeah. By week four, this is just going to be, be awesome. It's going to be a new thing. Like, it's just going to be understood. Like, hey, Herbie's an NFL and a college guy. He's a that guy's a color commentator right That's there. Right. He knows football. And it's a huge game. Steelers-Browns is a rivalry game. That's a big-time game. And right now, both teams trying to figure out what the fuck they are. Cleveland-Browns called a players-only meeting yesterday. Yeah. Huh. After the Jets on Bronny the Elf's face oh have the first 13-point or more deficit uh, past two minutes left in the game, comeback win in 2,332 games that were similar to that. Long time. Whoa. The bronze players, Jacoby Brissett and the boys, called a players-only meeting to break it down. What are they talking about two weeks into the game where they win the first game by a 58-yard field goal against Carolina Panthers, and then the next game they give up a terrible loss, and they could have won it three different times under the two I minutes mean, with Chubb and Hunt there. What are they saying in the team meeting? And is this the earliest players-only meeting you've ever heard in your life, D-Bud? I mean, this is early. Early? This is training camp still happening right now. Yeah, one-and-one. One, uh, the, the meltdown was... was was terrible. Uh, obviously, you know, Chubb, he should, you know, could have went down, should have went down. I don't know if you guys remember, but I definitely remember when he went down in a long touchdown run against the Texans a oh, couple yeah. years ago. <laughs> so he has the, the IQ, but he said he thought the game was over. If he go down, the game's over. But on defense, I mean, the blown, we'll get into it on everything to be later, oh, but the blown okay. coverages were just, I mean, it, it was, you, you can't have that, especially in that situation. So that was. What does um, that mean? That you ugly. just kind of end the game and get lackluster, kind of get relaxed. So get I mean, over. I don't know how you get. You know, that's that's when it's that's when it counts the most. Obviously, it's two minutes. You know, they have to throw the ball down the field. They're not handing the ball off the run, so you know a pass is coming. So everyone should be showing up. Priest not communication. It was veterans back there too. It's not like it's rookies. So um, you can't you can't have it. So that's probably what the team team meeting was about. The, the players only meeting. That's when everybody you know we just have the the man to man talks and then. Uh, we go forward, but they got the guys in that room to figure it out and, and win games. I, if it works, and Jacoby, by the way, was the one calling players only meetings in Indianapolis whenever yeah. he was backing up Andrew Luck. If you do recall, Jacoby was like very much leader of the clubhouse yeah, when Andrew true. Luck was the quarterback. I think is what we heard. Were you on that team? I don't know. We, I was with Jacoby. Yeah, his uh, matter of fact, the year he started. Yeah, it was with last year. I heard he's just like. Great, great leader, great right. teammate. Yeah, um, every coach, you know, he, he's really like a, a Parcel. He's like Parcel's like guy. So he's like, a, you know, just a tough guy. Great, um, le- yeah, great leader. Watch like no pale. bullshit, you know. So uh, he, he calls it like it is. Good with the defensive guys, offensive guys, special teams. So he's a guy you definitely want leading the guys out there. And, I, and I'm I'm sure the meeting went well, uh, but they they got to figure it out. Well, they got to. That was man against the. That was. Well, guess what? You're in the Jets, man. No, no, no. Hey, 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 they're flying around. They got players out there. Flacco's leading them. Wilson He's a looks dog. good, but you can't, you can't get that up. Punter, AFC Special Teams Player of the yeah, Week. That's dude. right, Garrett. No Wilson. big deal. Slinging the rock around, kicking onside kicks, doing it all. I mean, let's Come go. On, they got a team, D. But what are you saying? Can't do that against the Jets. Hey, they got a squad. So, hey, I, I, I stopped myself because I know their head coach is keeping receipts. That's so right. I don't want to end up. Motherfucker. I don't want to end up on the montage. All right? No, so, it, it's not just the hey, head coach. Hey, they're doing Future owners of the Jets are keeping Ooh, receipts uh, as well. Right. Future an, owner? An impassioned video from a future owner of the New York Jets this past weekend oh, after the New York Jets get a big-time win right on Bronny the Elf's face. Receipts, motherfucker, <laughs> fucking receipts! Oh, all right. Hell yeah. You all right? What is your problem? That was awesome. Yeah, That's what, all about. What is your, D-Bud. 
shit. What is your problem? He's talking to you. He won that back one more time. Yeah, he's talking to you. You picked the bronze, didn't he? He picked the bronze over the Jets, and Gary V said, Mo Salah is not the only guy keeping receipts. Your future owner is as well. And then Gary V went on to say this. Receipts, motherfucker, fucking receipts. Hell yeah. Hey man, you gotta love passionate fans, man. That was a big, big win though. It's future owner, future are you owner. kidding me? Gary He's not a Vee. fan. Gary, yeah, it's Gary V. Lifetime, lifetime Jets fan right there. Absolutely. He's been through it, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he said this this little spark of greatness that happened in the final two minutes that has never happened before in 2,331 other games like this one. Long time. That's gonna change it all. Connor, are you scared of the Jets in the AFC East? Dude, obviously the Bills is the Bills. Mm, yeah, And we're talking about the Browns, and, and maybe the Browns players are also saying, we can't do that against the Jets, which, once again, shot at the Jets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess the Jets are used to getting uh, shot at like this. Are you worried about this team coming up? No, I'm not worried at all because I know that Flacco's clock is ticking. I know at some no. point Zach Wilson's going to come back. And once Zach Wilson comes back, let's see how long it takes him to kind of integrate himself with the team or – do we have a QB controversy on our hands? I, I'm feeling that with the Browns too. Watson comes back, feels like Jacoby's going to get that team to you know ten and two. Flacco, who knows? He might go undefeated for the rest of the year. But if Zach Wilson comes back in two weeks, are you going to pull footsteps, Flacco, when he's leading you when you're down by thirteen? I mean, I don't, I don't know. In Cleveland, yeah, are you pulling Jacoby if they're winning games and he's calling players only meetings and you're paying a guy two hundred and thirty million yeah. guaranteed on the flip side. I don't what know. What do you do? Yeah, you put Deshaun in the game. Of course, you right. right. put Zach Wilson in the game because you spent the second overall pick on him. But I don't that's why that wasn't there. So he doesn't Whoa. think for the Jets. Why? Because he wasn't there. I mean, you, you obviously invested a high pick in him. But uh, if Flacco's got these guys rolling, I mean. They did it last year with Mike White, remember? Yeah, yeah. but did Wasn't Flacco... Zach watching Mike White last year, right? He was. That was a big part of it. He actually said, I felt like I had a lot of growth from watching somebody yeah. else have success in the offense that I'm supposed to have or something like Lefleur that. LeFleur came down to the sideline because, you know, Zach Wilson wanted him up in the booth, right, or vice versa either yeah. way with Mike White. But Flacco, you know, he wasn't you know, spinning around his mom's friends like Zach Wilson was, <laughs> so I don't know why we're even talking about it. That's a good point, you know. Is that, I mean, Zach Wilson might stink too. Absolutely. No, you might. You're saying he might stink. He might stink. No, I saw him in his pro day. He was rolling to his left. Yeah, and then he threw a ball back right cross body right hash sweet 65 yards. Yeah, Yeah. touchdown. Beautiful. I'd never heard of the guy. Right, we had never. I wasn't in the college football landscape at that point. We weren't paying attention to college football as much. That pro day was really my first introduction to the guy, Mm -hmm. and I tried to learn as much as possible. And then I remember the draft day pick. And then what do we learn? He's struggling a little bit. Yeah. And then he's having, having uh, sex, sex with all his mom's friends. Yeah. yeah. And, and then it, comes back. I don't even know anything about the guy, but it does appear as if he might not be a good NFL he football player. He might stink. I mean, because in college, you, I watched some of his college tape, and because uh, I did the draft that year with, with PFF, so I was, you know, wanting to be oh, like, yeah, yeah, lucky. Lucky. Yeah. prepared, and oh, everybody hey, was just slobbing over him. So I'm like, all right, let me watch this kid. And I mean, every pocket he threw from was, you know, you were the closest pass rusher. So he huh? was, oh my oh, yeah, God. Yeah, BYU. They and had like, 40 year olds. Yeah. Blocking for Big guys, veteran yeah. group. Yeah, and uh-huh. then. And yes. in the NFL, you're not throwing from many uh, clean pockets. It's almost always a dirty pocket or something going on. You got to read movement and coverages. So I haven't seen that much from him. They obviously see him a lot more um, than we do. And then you think about that team. Like, it's a young core that they're depending on. You know, the young running backs, Sauce, those guys are young. Garrett Wilson, all, like, everybody's young. So if you got old man Flacco in there kind of leading that charge and they're running, you might ride with that. I don't know. Oh, 
No QB controversy Flacco, uh, in New York, Flacco potentially. Mi- Flacco might be a part of our NFL Films uh, special this week. Footsteps. Really? This is cool. I mean. Where did he get that name from? Well, know. he called him that one day, and he partners. acted like we all knew. Yeah. That was the problem. He said, well, when Footsteps did this, blah, 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 and he, <laughs> he was, like, selling it, and we're like, who's Footsteps? He goes, Joey Footsteps Flacco. What Guys. Are we, what are we talking about? Never heard it before. But then you start watching. The big draft can glide a little yeah. bit. He can move totally a little oh, bit. Yeah. And he throws the ball far. And in this NFL Films thing, we got to see some clips. He looks like cool. Like, yeah. Like very much this young group, like relating very well with getting along very well. And there's yeah. a lot of like cool. Like he, it guy. seems like he is very much well endeared to this group of young guys too. And it's to get the behind the scenes footage of it and then to talk about what you're talking about and then for it to pay off for him. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. like it pays off in Cleveland, so they can buy in. Everybody can buy in even more. Yeah. It's that type of thing that really can get you going. But they're still in the Bills fucking yeah. division. The yeah, Dolphins going to be tough. Dolphins, Dolphins are coming along. Don't want to bury the Jets. Did not expect to talk about the Jets at all today. No. <laughs> but the Browns losing to the Jets in that fashion lead us to that conversation. Because are we judging the Jets when we act as if the Browns are dead from losing that game, or maybe are the Jets different? It's hard not to just say Browns are in full chaos right yeah. because yeah. of what took place. But maybe the Jets is different. Maybe the we'll Jets see. is different. It feels like, or at least it feels like the Browns lost that game more than the Jets won in it. And obviously they made unbelievable plays, but you know, you're up 30 to 17 with a minute 50 left. You said it. There's been 4,000 games. No, 2,331 games before Sunday's game. I saw okay. that stat and I said, oh, well, that's <laughs> who counted. Alarming. Yeah. Who did all that? That's amazing. Whoever found that. That's a lot of fucking games. I mean, 2,331 games, for it to be the first in that amount of time, it's like, okay, yeah, so normally if a team has no timeouts, two minutes left, down. they're down 13, and they don't have the ball, they're going to lose the game. And somehow the Browns raid on Brownie the Elf's face. Uh-huh. Yeah. First week, Brownie the Elf's out there. Might be a curse. Got an onside kick, too. Was that the first one of the season, recovered? I think so. I think. Yeah. Hey, you know that's Brand Boyer execution. over there. Oh, okay. Brand Boyer, special teams coordinator over there. Braden Mann, very talented guy. Braden Mann, I think a lot of people were wondering what the fuck because he punted like a 14-yard punt the week before. Right. Ball got dropped inside and he did that, which can happen on any punt. You just hope it doesn't. Nightmare came true for old Braden Mann in the middle of a game. But he was drafted high because he could bomb balls. He's very athletic. I think he's like a very athletic. Not everybody can like fake going one way, accurately hit the ball mm-hmm. back the other Spin. way, right at 10 yards. You know, like yeah. that's yeah, that was a, that's a fucking perfect ball. Like yeah. that's not an easy thing to do. Now, granted, when you're down six with little time left, yeah, like that's like a no-look pass, Ooh, basically. Up. Yeah, I mean, it was – that's Marty. a great ball. And you also can't like – you as somebody who, you know, is pretty proficient at onside kicks, like you can't second-guess at all. Because you're kicking, like, he's kicking very thin on this ball because the ball's laying fucking sideways. So if he hits that a little too thin, that thing potentially goes one yard right down there and doesn't go anywhere. So it's like you got to have a lot of confidence. you got to fucking just go. It's almost like you just got to go for it and hope that it works out for you. So i got a lot of respect for this dude and thing. But, yeah, Brant Boyer puts that together. So you give up an onside kick, which they say are impossible to yeah. get nowadays. Mm-hmm. 2% or something. Yeah, first time in 2,332-like situations you lose. Maybe it does call for a fucking player's only meeting. <laughs> hey, hey, Jeez. listen, what is going on? We, we should not be doing that. And then they got the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into town. Mm-hmm. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going through their own shit. Let's not 
Pittsburgh Steelers are going through their own shit. I don't know if they're calling players-only meetings, but there's already backup quarterback chants happening throughout the stadium, named Akersher now, yeah. not oh. Heinz Field. I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow. It could be a great game. It could be a shit show. I don't think any of us know, including the fan bases as well. Yeah, I would imagine it's going to be very low scoring, if I had to guess. But you mentioned players-only meeting. Not only that, they got fans you know, throwing beer bottles trying to take Jimmy Haslam's head off. You oh, know, walking God, down they found there. that guy. He did. He pointed right at him and said, get that yeah. son of a bitch out of here right now. Bye. Speedball. Hey, that's funny. You could throw beer at literally anybody here. Yeah. Except for who? Mm-hmm. Oh, the guy that actually owns the fucking building. Remember they had Baker saying that this was his house? It's not. I shipped him out here. This is my fucking house. You don't throw beer at me, pal. Ban him for yeah. life. They get him out. See ya. One less member of the dog pound sounds like a drunk one. Uh, probably mm-hmm. a pretty good fan if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah and definitely. He, he whipped that fucking beer bottle, too. <laughs> he threw that thing pretty hard. If he would have hit him in the head, he might have killed Jimmy Haslam. Maybe you should get that guy to play QB. Ew. <laughs> Suck it, Haslam. <laughs> Nick Morado, Pittsburgh Steeler fan, mm-hmm. says Jimmy couldn't recognize talent, arm talent, if it hit him right in the fucking face. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying, Nick? That's exactly what I'm saying. Jacoby Brissett's a guy. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett's rallying the boys. Mari Cooper scored a touchdown. He started getting used. Here we go. Yep. Maybe the team's going to be great. Maybe the Browns are going to figure it out. Yeah, except like you said, you know, the Steelers are going through their own thing. The Browns are going through their own thing. And the Browns stuff... You know, it feels like we haven't mentioned Stefanski, who's a Ivy League guy who should know situational football better than anyone, and that's why it feels mm. like the Steelers are in a much better spot because Mike Tomlin's a fucking dog, and you know that he's going to have his team ready. It feels like Stefanski's just out there, you know, willy nilly calling plays and not even calling team meetings on his own. Maybe you know why is Jacoby oh you think doing Jacoby's it? like hey somebody needs to say yeah so Jacoby sat maybe whoa this is quite an assumption we would like to get that out. Right now. Disclaimer. (laughs) But we just want to figure out why a players-only meeting is happening in week two. That's what this whole conversation is about. Yes. Mm -hmm. Gave up an onside kick. First time in 2,332 attempts, something happened. So maybe it is called. Or maybe Jacoby sat in a meeting, heard Stavansky, and was like, that ain't Like, there has to be some. Players-only meeting later. Okay, please, Kevin. (laughs) Hey, we can't fucking have it, all right? I don't know. Kevin's saying everything's okay. Kumbaya. Like, it ain't. All right, that's it. Like, maybe that is. Maybe yeah. that is what happened. I, I mean, honestly, there's a chance that that took place, but then that would be Jacoby trying to undercut the head coach. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to take place. I, I don't think that's happening either. Well, does he care? Because he knows that, you know, hey, His I'm just a placeholder. Does Jacoby care? He said he's a Bill Parcells guy. He's no. not a fucking team. He's a starting quarterback. What are you talking about? Does yes, he, he care undercutting Stefanski if Stefanski's doing a bad job having all the guys ready? Like, hey, look. You know, they're one and one, but they squeeze by the Panthers. We can't act like the Panthers are world beaters, and then they lose to the Jets at <laughs> home. World beaters, so it's boy. just like, what are we talking about here? Is Jacoby actually thinking, yes, Stefanski, as you know, smart of a guy is, and he's got the $230 million quarterback. Maybe he thought this was going to be easy and that everything's okay, but we barely beat the Panthers in Baker Mayfield, and we just lost to the Jets. Like, somebody's got to say something. Yeah, I would assume that maybe that could happen. It, it just... I don't know. Like, maybe guys showed up late. Maybe mm. maybe last week when they lost it, maybe the first two weeks, and you don't really point things out until a loss happens. You're like, hey, this happened, this yeah, happened, yeah. then we give up fucking 14 in the final minute 50 with the other team having no timeouts. You know, like maybe it was one of those like, hey, a lot of this has been happening either in the locker room or this, and they're trying to tighten it up. But that doesn't make sense because this year, this team was supposed to go, right? Baker was the problem. Yeah. Now the team's supposed to go there. They got a great defense. Yeah, they built the goal. And and like, you know, like I said, Jacoby's not afraid to have that tough, you know, hey, defense can't fucking happen. Nick, go fucking down. Like whatever needs to be said, he'll say it. 
sat in a bunch of meetings with Bill Belichick, you know, obviously Brady's oh, yeah. teammate. Chuck said some Chuck meetings, so he's he's been around the block. I, I saw Kraft, Robert Kraft a few years ago. He literally went out his way to come up. Hey, this when me and Jacoby were teammates. Jacoby man really missed that guy. So like he's a guy who you want in that Classic. locker room. So um, it's 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 gonna be interesting. I, I am. Say, I hope the Colts had a fucking team meeting. Yeah, well, well that's what say. I was thinking about that. As literally as I'm doing <laughs> what Jacoby said about the what the coach said, everything's fine. Oh I was like thinking in my head like. Yeah, how come Ryan Kelly and like Matt Ryan, Quentin Nelson? No, Matt Ryan, brand new to the squad, right? True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Matt Ryan, I guess he has been demanding and everything like that, and practices and meetings and everything like that. So maybe he would be a guy that would call for the team meeting. But like Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, uh, Darius Shaquille Leonard, DeForest right. Buckner, mm -hmm. like guys that have basically been the pillars of that team for the last three years, four years. Like it's almost like they. But they've been in the Frank Craig system the entire time, too. It's hard to do that. You're undercutting the coach's message, I think, if you do that. Well, and that might be what Jacoby was like. Hey, we, I'm calling a meeting right now. It was, it's the fans. It's like, I've seen the kumbaya, everything okay is right, you know, yes. dipshit. I, I played for Frank Reich. Like, I know what that's like, okay? Oh. Stefanski, this can't happen. You okay, think Frank Reich got buried right in this Cleveland Browns players only meeting? Potentially. But also, Jeez. with the Colts. Isn't it like, I mean, obviously everyone respects Matt Ryan. He's been around a lot, but like a guy like that can't call a team meeting, not only because he's just been there, but like if he calls a team meeting, wouldn't someone just be like, you threw three picks on Sunday. You played like shit. Like, what do you, what do you mean we need to play better? Like, you're a massive part of the reason we lost. Yeah, if you're going to talk, you have to be a guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's always been a thing. There are some people in these uh, players-only meetings, and no Darius Butler did not allude to that whenever he said, you know, these guys have man-to-man -man conversations, and they deal with it, and they move on. I guess that does happen, you know. That does happen. It usually starts that way. There are moments of that, yeah. And then there becomes, oh, I got something I got to get off my chest. Oh, a lot it, of people. Oh, it is awesome. Not always, but every once in a while with different locker rooms, depending upon who's in there, yeah. you know, somebody will feel the need to get something off their chest. Poem they and wrote. Every, no, no, that's just uh, at the beginning. No okay. poems in these things. Okay. It's just like, obviously, this person came from the hardest uh, place on earth. He's had the toughest life of all time. Uh, He's working hard. We are not working hard as him. Uh, he is tougher, smarter, better than everybody. And uh, everybody in the back of their heads is going like, okay, like the guys that spoke at the beginning of this thing could definitely say that uh, you fucking suck. 51st yeah. guy on the road. Yeah, you are, you are a part of the problem. Uh, but I appreciate you saying something. And then another person will come up because that person now feels like they were tried by this person because they were said that they were from a tougher place than this person. So now this person comes up, and here we go. Right. Chain Now it's a full check, like, you yeah. know. And now it's, and it, I've been in two of those, and I think I've been in, like, six or seven players-only meetings. <laughs> two of them, though, became, oh, okay, here uh, we I'm learning a lot about a lot of guys here, and I'm just sitting there, you know, and it's a, it's a full thing. And by the end of it, you know, I feel like we're a better team. We've learned a lot about each other, but yeah. also I think the original message at the very beginning was forgotten because of the whole – Everything that ended, you know, kind of a and, and, and for players only meetings, I think uh, a good thing to understand too. We don't have a lot of those conversations with the other side of the ball, with the other unit. So, like, we had the mock team meeting with Chuck, and when you have those on Wednesdays, um, you know, it's not much talking with players. You know, it's coaches laying out the game plan, blah blah blah, and then we separate. We go in our unit meeting. So, the conversations that we have, obviously, you had the most conversation with your meeting room, which is secondary, and then with your defensive unit. But you don't you really all come together and say, hey, this is, hey, look, I'm going to own my shit. We need to do this better. We may need to say if, if, if Miles Garrett spoke first or, or second, he said, hey, this is the defense. 
this is what we got to fucking do better. And then we go to the office, we go to the special team, we go around. But like you said, it does get to a point where it's like, all right, you know, we should put a shot clock on it, like uh, yeah, five, yeah. ten minutes, then we get yeah. out of here. All right, pal. Listen, I, I don't play on that side of the ball, but I, I saw the way you played. Let's, <laughs> let's not worry about talking. Maybe let's worry about a little bit more working. But the people that do talk and do cut through, because I think there is messages that cut through in players-only meetings, are the guys that have been – it's always the proven guy who's not going to fuck. It's the five-star representation, basically, mm-hmm. of each group. Like, Vinny would go up and talk every once in a while. Wow. Reggie would go up and talk, obviously, on the defense, depending upon who was the OG at the time or who was having the best season at the time, I think, too. They would go speak almost as a representative for the defense. Address the defense and then talk to the offense and then talk about the team as a whole. Then, like, it would kind of happen for each phase. And I think there was some actual good that came from it because I think a lot of people maybe from a different uh, phase holding something against somebody on the other side mm-hmm. or like thinking something about the way they're operating on the other side. So it kind of clears the air. I think yeah. anytime you have uncomfortable conversations, you can kind of clear the air a little bit on how you feel, how the other person feels. Okay, let's get by it. But if it's a week two players only meeting, I hope there wasn't a full. Hey, let's get ahead of yeah. Because a lot of those guys that speak have no idea how their season's going to go. Right. I mean, like, obviously the great players think they're going to have great uh, seasons, but I think a lot of the great players have great seasons because they're scared to death they're not going to have great seasons. So they, like, work their asses off there. So week two, getting up there and speaking, when you could go into the biggest set of the yips next week is a awesome move. I love it. I can't wait to hear who spoke, how they spoke, and how they come out against the Pittsburgh Steelers tomorrow night. We'll That's see. a big deal. That's a big deal. We will see. Let's bounce around the NFL a little bit. There is... Some more problems in head coaching worlds. Mm-hmm. They're telling Nathaniel Hackett, hey, you big dumb dipshit, we don't need you to call in place <laughs> or be the head coach anymore. That, that's pretty much what is being alluded to. We do not know this because we do not live in Detroit or listen or in Denver mm-hmm. and listen to the Let's Ride uh, locals, although we do have belt buckle. That's right. Let's ride. Let's ride. It's an honor. Five of these. Yeah. One of five. Thank you. Hey, let's fucking ride. In the Broncos country saying, hey, hey, let's ride into a conversation about whether or not this brand new head coach and brand new play caller should be doing both of these duties at the same time when it appears as if he may be in over his head. Um, I think I just need to be sure I can clean up exactly what I'm hearing, where I'm going with it, and make sure I'm on the same page for Russ, he said. Uh Adding it should make the offense more efficient. Uh, referring to his delay of game penalties on the field goals, the coach reiterated during Monday's presser that they happened because he was debating whether to go for it on fourth or kick. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> we know Nate. I, I need to do better at making decisions faster and quicker and getting that information to the quarterback and being on the same page with him. He said, it has to improve. I respect that little accountability there. That's an understatement, says milehighreport.com. Hackett also likely got the message that Broncos country is not feeling very confident about his ability to call plays and manage the game as half a dozen questions related to whether he's planning any changes when it comes to play calling duties. I think I'll continue to play calling. All right. I think it's been pretty efficient up to this point. We've done a good job moving the ball. We've had a good plan from that standpoint. We just have to finish those drives, he said. I think from the game management standpoint, we just have to tighten that whole thing up. A lot of us. We're all working together for the first time. So we just want to be sure we're more efficient in that and have the ability to make better decisions and quicker decisions. Once again, that was from milehighreport.com. D-Butt said this last week. He said, this guy's talking too much. 
Because remember whenever he said uh, for the field goal, he said the line was the 46. We got to the 46. I had to plan the whole thing. And I said I liked the fact that he was kind of explaining why he was doing what he was doing, how he was doing what he was doing, and everything like that. Kind of hopefully letting the new fans of him that don't know a lot about him, like, hey, I'm not a dipshit. This is what I'm doing. Now I think he's saying too much. Hey, listen, (laughs) we don't need to hear that you got to tighten shit up. You Broncos country does not want to hear like, yeah, I, I, I got to be quicker and I got to do that. They know. Like, that is what they are saying. They want to know that there was a reason, a glitch, a tech glitch. Maybe we had this other person in there. Tell them something that isn't the person that's going to continue to do the decision making, wasn't the one making the fuck ups publicly, or give another answer. So I think Nathaniel Hackett said too much in this particular yeah. case, although I enjoyed with the old 46 yarder at the end of this. You team. know, I don't have, I don't necessarily say he's saying too much, but what he's, his first two words of that, I think, like, Bro, we, it's week three. Then, it, like, it's not time to think. It's time to fucking do it. Like, I don't want to hear what you think oh. about the game plan or I think we should have done it. So, no, what are you doing? Like, you're the the unquestioned leader of the team. So, if you're thinking, if you're second guessing yourself after every fucking game where you're talking to the media, like, what type of respect, what type of belief do we have in you in the locker room? Because you got this. This ain't college. This ain't high school. These you're telling me we need to see your confidence, bro. Around. Yeah. So yeah. it's like not I think or I think I should. Or, yeah, I think I'm gonna keep calling plays. Because ideally, if you hire an offensive head coach, you want that guy calling plays. Because what happens is, let's say you know uh, somebody. You, those guys stay. Like, you keep an offensive, like Andy Reid, and, like, he's going to be there forever. Eric Bannaby can go, but Andy Reid will be there with Patrick Mahomes. So if you gave all this money, you made this commitment to Russell Wilson, you want that play caller to stay in place. You don't want that going to somebody else, and he go gets hired and be a head coach after a year of calling good plays. So stop thinking, buddy. Just do. Be better. And, you know, people going to make mistakes. It's the first two games. It's, it's a lot of moving parts, but it's the big boy league, man. You see what Mike McDaniel's doing down there in Miami. It's his first time calling plays, too. He got a bunch of fucking new personnel. You got a left-handed quarterback, and they dialing up. I'm like, stop thinking, man. Yeah, make and fourth happen. and seven, he's going for it, and it's hitting with Waddle yeah, early. Yeah. And the whole – everybody in there seems to be bought in on him. Not that Denver doesn't seem to be bought in on – Nathaniel Hackett. We're not saying we're not saying. Well, okay. Don't blame them. Darius is saying they're not bought in, but we are saying like, if you don't perform, and you're a head coach for that Denver team who now has the richest owner in sports Mm -hmm. by a lot, by a lot, long shot, with the cash over cap situation loophole in the salary cap, and a quarterback that wants to be top five quarterback of all time, and we think people like him. People Some are, people like him, some people fucking hate him. Okay, yeah. all right, well. They're okay with him. So there seems to be, you know, yeah. moon and sun. They polarize him. Yeah, there's whatever the case. He um, He's going to have to be successful there, and it's going to have to be quick. And I know that is not something that is fair. It probably sounds like it's unfair, especially for a guy who's worked his ass off to get a first head coaching gig. But he knows he's going to have to figure it out quick. And to Darius's point, like, a little confidence is probably a good idea, too, to at least display it. Because as soon as people think you're beat or they think that you think that you're not, in, you're not doing a good job or in over your head, everybody can sense it. It's a very easy thing. It is literally why whenever I tell people on this show, like they ask me for any advice, I'm like, just say your words into the microphone. My only advice, just say your words in the microphone. Because if you sound like, oh, I'm not confident of your words, sure. as soon as anybody hears it, they're like, oh, well, we're not going to fucking listen to <laughs> yeah. that guy. Why would I listen to that person that's scared to say the words that they're about to say? There's no reason for that. So I think that projection is a vital Or point. even if you move and make a different fucking business decision, hey, we're going to do this different, guys. We're going to go live at a different time. Hey, we're moving to fucking Thunderdome early. Fuck it. 
Hey, we're going to ride. Well, we're going to figure it out. It's actually two weeks late. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what we're like, saying, we, you know, you're going to move and you're going to figure it out. But don't come back, get on the mic and say, hey, we moved in here. Ah, you know what? Fuck. I I think, I I fuck it. Like, we ride. We yeah. ride with our guy. Whatever he does, we're right behind him. Hopefully they figure it fuck out. It. Everybody seems to like Nathaniel Hopefully. Hackett. We assume that he'll be able to figure it out, but he's going to have to do a quick end. Well, I think you made the important distinction, too. Like, this isn't Dan Campbell when he first got the Lions job where everyone kind of knew, like, hey, this is a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to get some time. Like, the expectations were, hey, this team could win the Super Bowl this year. They just gave Russell William, uh, Wilson $265 million. You have that roster surrounding him. Like, people were expecting them to, to really come. For compete. good reason. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And Hasselbeck said it earlier this week. Like, you know, he mentioned, like, we're moving the ball great. Like, what you do in the red zone is what matters, especially, oh, yeah. you know, back, going back to Green Bay when they, uh, in, in the COVID year, they had, the best red zone offense ever, the gold zone. You know, he was like the yeah. he was the the Brainiac. brain. Shot. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, you can move the ball, but you have a you, you spend two hundred sixty five million dollars on a quarterback. You have all these weapons. You can't be scoring fucking sixteen points a game, and you can't get Dude. down to situations where you make a field goal with McManus and you have a delay a game, and then instead of you know you let him try to kick a sixty four yarder last week. Granted, it's to win the game, but then now you have a fifty five yarder and you punt instead. It's like. It just, it does look like he's over his head a little bit. This is the men's league. Absolutely. League. We don't have time. Like, high school, everybody gets an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they say. Or in junior high, little league, like, hey, make sure everybody gets a good four minutes on the court or on the <laughs> field. Like, we need that. Everybody, we don't know who's going to be great. We want everybody to kind of figure it out. At the top level, people are expecting you to be good right now. Yeah. And if you're not, it's going to be pointed out, especially when expectations are high. Remember, just a couple years ago when Aaron Rodgers was going to the Denver Broncos? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had Vaughn Miller then. They traded him away. Yep. And, but they still had that defense, I Job. guess, it goes, and uh, the offense. Yeah. They were Aaron Rodgers away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Russell Wilson, new head coach, we're winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. That's tough. That's a tough start. Can't be thinking up there. Just got to do. Yeah. You think, you die. That's right. It. Okay, this I is top gun Obviously, you know you got to because he's the he's the old he's the guy he should be the guy running the show. You know he's what eleven years in the league, two two fifty plus, on like, office, won a Super Bowl. Allegedly. You know he, he's the face he's the face of the franchise. So you got to make some of those uh, tough decisions too. And I heard Matt say like the quarterbacks get paid for red area, third two minute, down. and what was the other third one? down, third, third, down and third down the money down. So you, you come on, you got to figure it out. Yeah, hopefully it does. Him not being able to have. Uh, Timeout capabilities in that first <laughs> game, like when Peyton was sixty-two yeah, uh-huh. times. Let's get one here, huh? Can we get Let's one? talk about it. Get one. Maybe want to get one here. Might want to talk about it. Get one. Get one. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what we're doing. He's friends with McManus too. Mm-hmm. Like he knows McManus has a massive leg, and yeah. he's Peyton sitting there going, "What? What, what are we doing?" Here? Get one. I respect the fact <laughs> that you know. Hackett was like, we're going to fucking make 64-yarder right here. Yeah. And when we do, everybody's going to call me a genius. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Just think, that goes the other way. That ball goes this far right because McManus has a strong enough leg to do so. Bombs, balls, great kicker in the NFL a long time. None of these questions are happening. No, they're yeah. two He's a genius. Yeah. He's a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. This guy knows his team better yeah, than anybody. Trust his players. I don't know how he got in here and got you know, to the point where he knows exactly what McManus is, the type of guy he is. He knows exactly what Russ is wanting to do. Like, that's the conversation. And now we got to question every word he says because if you don't he win. Is. Yeah, because it sounds like he is. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't win, fucking gone. Yeah. Uh, some other awesome stuff uh, coming out of the NFL. Jerry Jones. 
Mike McCarthy, Pittsburgh guy, said that Jer feels all news is good news. Mm-hmm. I feel like all time is good time or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was. But it, the more the more you learn about Jerry Jones, the more you learn about like a guy who is literally a constant, yeah, it's going to work. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Yeah, we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I assume that's because all the th- – all most of the times that he's done that, it has worked out. Right. And most of the time, whenever he has decided to do something, when people tell him not to do something, it's probably paid off big time. So his feeling of, yeah, I'm fucking smarter than everybody, is probably earned in his mind. Mm-hmm. Changed the NFL completely whenever he became an owner. You're talking about licensing and different deals that he has been able to create, and he's a part of the business side of it, and everybody talks about the business he sold to buy the Cowboys and go all in. He is a part of the TV network deals that happen. Jerry Jones is a big part of that. So no matter what your thoughts are on Jerry Jones business-wise, Jerry has been fucking incredibly successful and very powerful in the biggest league in the NFL. So you can see how he maybe thinks that his way is the right way to go about doing things. When he starts talking about injuries, though, it is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. This was his answer on 105.3 The Fan uh, just yesterday morning talking about Dak Prescott. And we were talking about an injury that everybody says six to eight weeks to return from. Jerry Jones, who's been successful at everything he's ever done with a super optimistic and positive mindset, says this. And guess what? I almost fucking believe him over the science. <laughs> and how are you feeling about Dak's progression and his timeline? Well, he's... Uh... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that anybody knows, but uh, when he can uh, get get uh, away from the uh, the uh, or get into the strength area where he can grasp, uh, then um, you'll see uh, uh, probably uh, the real advancement in his timeline. And uh, I don't know when that. I don't know when that is. I do know that I think after a good airing out last week, everybody recognizes that he'll be back sooner rather than later as far as the timeline. And, uh, hmm. uh, it it uh, really could be a, a minimal of uh, uh, two weeks up here uh, in my mind. Now, that's very optimistic. That is optimistic, but it could be. Could and uh, he's got the, the kind of... Uh, uh, repair there that will allow him not to have a lot of fear about re-injuring. It's just a question of the grip. But it's a big question. Big question. Okay. Now, that is okay. a big question there, the grip on a quarterback, whether he's able to throw the football or not. And if we can bring the picture of the quote back up, I think the reason why I love this is because Jerry Jones is clearly a, tell me the best possible outcome. <laughs> they tell him the best possible outcome, and he goes... That's what's going to be. Only yeah. I love it. I enjoy that. I feel like I'm pretty similar in uh, a lot of situations. I don't know about medical-wise I've ever been that way, but I do like the fact that Jerry Jones knows he's invested a lot of money in his franchise quarterback. His team is going to be better with Dak Prescott, although Cooper Cush came in and got the All job in. done for the yeah. Dallas Cowboys. His actual quote, if you look at it in words, kind of condensed, I don't know that anybody knows when he'll be back. So let's talk about it. Doctor came up. Trainer came up said six to eight weeks. He says, is that a fucking fact? Six to eight weeks? You're already putting windows been wow, that, no. that timeline for a long time, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, but has anybody ever come back sooner than that? Uh, there is one case where somebody came back in like three. Oh, so it's not six to eight weeks. <laughs> is, yeah. that, is that what I just heard? So you guys don't even know. I mean, you guys are supposed to know. I guess I know, but that one person came back three weeks, right? You said that what sport? Softball? Shot put? What was it? Throw the ball? Same thing as Dak? Nobody fucking knows. Got it. 
two weeks he's coming back. I don't know that anybody knows when he'll be back. All right, I'm sure mm -hmm. that that conversation has somehow got to that point, and I love it. Mm -hmm. I love everything about it. But when he gets enough strength in his hand, then you'll probably see some real advancement in his timeline. I don't know when that is. I do know that with a good Aaron out last week, everybody recognizes that he'll be back sooner than later as far as the timeline. Now, what's the timeline? Is the timeline the doctor's timeline that he just said that nobody knows when he's going to be back from? Right. So six to eight weeks. He's going to be back sooner and later on that timeline. Hey, what he did last week, airing it out as well. What does that mean, by the way? Airing it out. Was he throwing the ball last yeah, week? Yeah, sounds like it. it. Yeah, we saw him holding <laughs> so it. So maybe, in, like in you know day to day, he did get a couple throws up. What if he can't move that thumb and he's like, yeah, I can figure out how to throw a fucking. <laughs> hey, uh, you just kind out. of lock that thing in there. I can figure out how to throw a strike with that. I mean, I could just. I mean, normally, yeah, full throw and everything. But if this is how we got to throw, I can do it. Jerry's like, I like that. Now, yeah. look at us. We got different throws. Maybe even that in the fucking left hand. And then we don't even need the right thumb. Ain't that right? I mean, just the thought of Jerry dissecting it all is amazing. It really could be a minimum of two weeks up here in my mind. Okay. From all the conversations I had with the doctors, with Dak, with seeing them throw, with the trainers, with the research, in my mind, fuck. Maybe next week. I mean, we do not. Why not? Now, that's very optimistic. I understand that. But he's got the kind of repair that will allow him not to have a lot of fear of re-injuring it, which is a big deal. I think getting past an injury and being scared to death that you're going to re-injure it after you just did a bunch of rehab on it. Now, he will only be doing two weeks of rehab, so it's not like investing three, four months every single right. day into rehabbing something and having the scare that it's going to pop again. And that's a big deal. It's just a question of grip, but that's a big question whenever you're talking about a quarterback. So Jerry's telling him, telling the world, in a very positive way in the Cowboys Nation, one of which a member of rode a horse into a grocery store. Yep. <laughs> in a Dallas Cowboys. That happened. Celebrate the win. So that happened. Celebrate the win. Cooper Cush uh, brings the boys a dub. Uh, one of the Cowboys faithful puts a cowboy hat, saddles the horse, gets right in a grocery store like they said they would. If Cooper gets us a fucking win, I'm riding Molly down to the <laughs> Walmart. I'm going right into the Walmart. I'm going right. And they did. Just walked that son bitch around, dyed the tail blue, <laughs> yeah. put the Prescott jersey on and said, excuse me, I need to go to aisle seven to pick up the big balls of Cooper Cush. <laughs> what an unbelievable team the Cowboys have. And that's all because of Jerry Jones marketing, because of how faithful they are, how bought in they are. But who knows, I think, is what Jerry's saying when he could come back. That six to eight weeks might not even be a thought for Jerry at this point. Well, and it makes sense because, you know, anytime we talk about the Cowboys, at least the media in general and Jerry, it's like they're – Hey, this the team on paper. We could win a Super Bowl this year. Fuck like he's year. eternally optimistic, no matter what the case is. So it kind of it does make sense that in his mind, it doesn't matter what the doctors are saying. Like he is expecting Dak to be back in two to four weeks, and if he's not, then he'll say, "Well, yeah, I might have been a little optimistic." Well, I, I, I overshot the. He'll say, "I overshot the horse." <laughs> How much pressure as uh, Dak in general? Just in, if Cooper Cush wins a couple games, I don't think yeah. there's that much. But him putting like – you're talking about back. the force him back. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think that's a that's a negative way. But Dak knows Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Like Dak and I understand. They paid Dak after a gruesome injury, and yeah. I would assume at some point Jerry said, you're going to be back better than ever with this brand-new leg. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just – this is good news, not bad news. Your, la your last leg – Listen, that thing was what, 20, 24 years old. Failed you. This new leg, shit, it's going to be a month or two old here in about a month or two. I mean, that is, we got Brandon's. I love that about Jerry, though. Eternal optimism. I fucking yeah. love it because I assume there's a lot of trying times, but Jerry's always kind of skated through and he's like, yeah, fuck yeah, it'll all work out. It'll all work out, including with medicine and surgery. And I'll be excited to see the willpower of Jerry Jones, see if it works out for him. We'll see it, man. I mean, it's obviously not his injury, and we'll see all, all injuries are different. But um, 
I like the optimism from Jerry. You got to have that, especially for your quarterback. Uh, hopefully Dax gets out there sooner than later. Man. Think about Jerry talking to, in the one per club meeting in the NFL. We're going to make $110 billion over 11 years. And then some very negative owner who's just a pissed off, miserable billionaire somehow, which does happen a lot. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, we've heard from documentaries. John and Mara. Yeah, all of them. And just like, <laughs> let's be realistic. Jer- I don't live in a realistic world. Shut, Shut your up. fucking mouth. Fucking 110 billion, 11 years. I'll put my left and right nut on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I love that that is how Jerry operates. It has to be tough for everybody around him, though. You don't win the Super Bowl? What are we doing? I told everybody. I, I fucking, I had to believe. Remember, we talked about it. we were winning the Super Bowl last year. Mike, what the fuck happened? And Mike's like, Jerry, it's going to be what tough. Do do, Jerry, Jerry what, do you, what, a, what an interesting pairing those two are. Just Pittsburgh to the core in Mike McCarthy. Probably, I mean, he laughs a lot. Probably has a good time, drinks beers. Mm-hmm. Deep in his soul, probably miserable, though. Okay, Probably yeah, okay being miserable. Yeah. That's probably He's okay with that. And then you got Jerry coming in with his southern, hey, we're going to win fucking 10 Lombardis right in the next <laughs> yeah. 10 years. Let's do that. And I go, oh, let's put some fucking realistic expectations on this thing. Here. Well, and he has to be like that because he knows that no one's going to give him a pass. Like, no one, if, if the Cowboys, with Dak being hurt, like, let's say they go 4-13 and 13 this year, like, no one's going to talk about Dak getting hurt. You know, it's like, hey, the Cowboys once again stunk this year. Like, Jerry knows that no matter what happens, regardless on the field, like, no one is going to give the Cowboys a pass if they don't make the playoffs this year or they don't compete. And there wasn't as much hype on the Cowboys going into the season as there no. was in years past. I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. And I bet you the Cowboys kind of enjoyed it as well. Yeah. thought they were going to be good there's because one, of that. Yeah, there was one person that didn't, though. Who's that? Jerry, why are they not talking about this? <laughs> these fucking cowboys? I uh, got some news about Joe Hayden retiring. We'll talk about that in the next hour. Uh, also, look out for a new Call of Duty dropping. Whoa. So all eyes are on the Arizona Cardinals and the That's facility right. over there for Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, stats say um, stats say that we will um, we will potentially see a drop off in Kyler Murray's performance. Yeah, now, do not bet on. The not game. saying that second half. Maybe they figured it out though. It's sure. a different year. Maybe live that Jared Goff situation. So the thing about this Call of Duty drop that's coming for PlayStation, it's like this Thursday. Yeah, it's happening like very soon, right now. Oh. PC oh. and Xbox, which is where Kyler Murray plays Call of Duty. We did our research. He used to be on an Xbox. And he obviously graduated the pro gamer with the PC because it's faster, more efficient, more headshots. Right. Not as much glitch. But he uses an Xbox controller on the PC is what our research tells us. Shout out to Bruce. That's yes. right. So that's dropping September 22nd through the 23rd. Uh-oh. Now, <laughs> that means all eyes are on this weekend as the Cardinals take on the Rams' tough opponent. That's right. Reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champs. But I also learned from the gaming community, since he is on FaZe um, Clan. Oh, yeah. sure. Probably got this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, mm. he's been beta testing. So maybe that's why first half was first half, then second half was second half. Because ah. he kind of got out of snipe mode and got into like, okay, we got to play football again. Or maybe this is the thing in the past. We don't have to worry about this anymore because Kyler Murray is sick of having to talk about it. Maybe that's the case. I play this on PlayStation. Very, very fun. It's so, a good drop, you're saying? It's a good drop. Good beta. And mm-hmm. Kyler has heard that. And yeah. he's a gamer to the heart. Yeah. He has every console. He will be playing this on PlayStation as well. I understand he's a PC guy, PC Master Race. I understand all that garbage. He will be playing this on PlayStation. And now that everybody else can play, he'll be able to kill other people and assert his dominance. He's not just playing against computers. You know, everyone's going to have the beta. Bad news. Who are they playing again? The Rams. Rams. I'm going to put my mortgage on the Rams. (laughs) Because there's no reason. 
<laughs> you do not have a mortgage. A car payment. Well, there, is that a mortgage for go. cars? I get, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting my yes, car mortgage on it then. It's a loan. Just, but mortgage, loan. I guess you could tech. Uh, I don't know the technical terms. I'm going to mortgage Mitt's house and put that <laughs> on the ranch. Okay. That's there great. I don't know if that's what Mitt needs right now, but Aww. I am happy you two are potentially living on the streets together. And if we win, guess what, Mitt? You're getting that brand new pool in your backyard, you know? What a Cause good guy. Because the ramps. Wow. What a good guy. I'll be over every day to use it. I think Kyler is uh, past all that. I think you got new Kyler Murray. I don't I think, know. When that guy slapped him in the face, it looked like he almost got shot in the head. So No, he came back to fight the guy, which I like. Yeah. I don't think we should put the guy in jail. I do like that Kyler Murray came back and was thinking about getting his own. I feel like a drunk and a celebratory situation, that happened. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's yeah. move on. Wasn't even close to DeChambeau, too. So that's kind of a positive as well. DeChambeau. Let's get to a break. <laughs> he almost... He, he almost died. Yeah, it acted as a guillotine and almost yeah. cut his head off. There's that's a, what people don't know. The live ropes actually are serrated uh, see, edges. That's why. Let's a break. All right, we're back in five for hour two. AJ Hawk will join us. D-Bot, how much on this to give away? $5,000. Slow down, Darius. All right, Not you, all of us have cool sunglasses. It. You throw it then. Jesus. Well, don't hit the lights. Yeah, you should come out here. You should come out here, I think. Uh, Center stage. All right, D-Bot, here hey, we go. Careful, your headset's hey, you still D-Bot? attached. $5,000 yep. to somebody that retweets this. If Darius J. Butler can make this for the brand, Baby Duke, come on, into the hoop that is actually 10 feet. Oh, shit. This guy stinks. All right. Oh, oh, no. dear, DB. Hey, oh, that's no. a tough walk. Hey, I've done it a few times. <laughs> yeah. I've done it a few times. Football is what we talk about most because football has happened. Football is in mid-season form just two weeks into the NFL season. There's already players-only meetings. There's already teams that aren't statistically or technically out, but percentage-wise, probably fucking done. There's teams we are already crowning as Super Bowl champions. It's a beautiful time of the year. College football is hot. Going to Knoxville, Tennessee this weekend for college game day. Let's have a time. Let's have a Wednesday. Joining me on the stage at Toxic Table at Boston Connor, at Ty Schmidt, then a gentleman who will be hosting Everything DB, where we learn more about the secondary coverage around the NFL, including what happened to the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, oh, yeah. which will be coming in about an hour or so, uh, host of the Man to Man podcast, and also NFL matchup show on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Darius Butler. Hey, What's up, man? Not too much, man. Well, was, working on that shot, though. Yeah, I was about to say, it. football shot, a little bit of uh, a lot of people saying they were disappointed. I'm just telling you, the. I think Orlovsky even tweeted a little... Yeah, he said, nice throw or something, you know. Oh, no. I think he said, nice <laughs> throw. Uh, <there's> <laughs> something like that. You know what I mean? Hey, Orlovsky. Orlovsky, how come you didn't just tell people what had happened? You're watching. We appreciate you. I, I, I love that you're on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Getting to hear your brain in that booth is truly cool because we remember when you were just a guy at your house calling into this show mm-hmm. with zero inflection ever. Remember just that? monotone. You scared to death to be on the show. Yeah. Stunk. That was a long time Dude. ago. Long time ago. Oh, he would call into this show, be scared to death. It seemed like he was scared to death. Then he started, like, coming on, and mm-hmm. he started coming alive. And Dan Orlovsky was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be the hottest thing in sports media. Yeah. He has gone on to do that. Now he's at Monday Night Football. We are proud, aren't we? Love yeah, the guy. Right. 
But then something like Monday happens and the entire internet saying, this guy sneezed and then farted into <laughs> yeah. his microphone. Cover it up. And it's like, we're associated with you, pal. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need to, we need you to tell people that you didn't fart directly into the microphone. No. You bobbled a couple words because that's what people do. And then you, as a child, because you, you and your kids watch Dude Perfect and stuff, you just go, uh, to move on. We didn't know that. Sound like you literally shit into your microphone. Right. Let's get better, Dan. Good, Good luck, Dan. Dan. You got this. Great job. And again, you can also jokingly say that. I'm so sorry. I just pooped my pants. Boom. That's another great answer. Exactly. Oh, is anybody going to a diaper? Yeah. Right. Yeah, any any of these keep things. Keep going. Did you bring wet wipes, I've been Steve? nervous for it. Big, big night. Monday night football. There's no way that was an actual fart. Darius, that's... It sounded know? like it was right to the mic, too. Exactly. So that's the thing. We're having this conversation. You know why we're having this conversation right now? Because Dan farted on national TV. <laughs> All right. Wow. So that's what you think. Okay. So you think... A lot of people think Dan farted. Mm-hmm. But Dan didn't tell us, like... You know, there, there was never, like, a, an acknowledgement of what just happened. It's like, Dan, if you shit into the mic, like, let people know. Dude. Tell them. You know, because we're, we're watching this game alongside. I love the way he – I think he does a great job. He I does. agree. I love Dan Orlovsky. Great breakdowns. Is there a chance Levy might have done it? Wow, Dan was talking. Like, after he bobbled it, Levy was like, geez, Dan. <laughs> and then Orlovsky oh. kept going. Well, I don't like that for team chemistry going forward. No. I hope Dan and Steve got that figured out if that was the case because Steve is a wordsmith. Mm-hmm. I love the way he goes about doing his business on a microphone. I like that team as a whole, but started the show with them farting onto a mic and us not knowing what took place. That actually kind of makes sense. Levy might have farted as like a, hey, welcome to the big leagues, kid. Oh, yeah. And oh. pawned it off on Dan. Yeah. Oh, Dan, you think? Oh, because he's the new one in that group. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Little rookie hey, little hazing. Rookie hazing. Yeah. yeah. You should have seen when he did a greasy. Mm-hmm. You said we did greasy last. Show me to him. Yeah, he had to go back to the NFL. Anyways, Dan, we hope that's not, hope you're not getting bullied. Yep. After. Good luck, Dan. Good luck, man. You got this. Joining us now is a man who does all the bullying, especially when he's on a football field. Led with his head more times than anybody in the history of the Green Bay Packers to become <laughs> the all-time leading tackler. That's right. He's a college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, COVID survivor. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron James Hawk. Yeah. Hey, hey. hey Jay. Would you like? Hey, to- so go ahead. I'd like to talk about Dan real quick. I know you're talking about, first off, Dan does an amazing job. And I know uh, TJ Lang, friend of the program, had a tweet saying, what, farting to the mic in an opening sequence and still go on to call a killer game or whatever. Like, he was giving Dan props. But Hell now yeah. that I think about it, you were saying, you know, you're wearing a headset mic. You said sneeze, head went down, mic goes into butt. That's why we hear the fart so bad. I think we heard that pause because Dan was like, here we go. This is my moment. This is a big way to start. I'm taking my headset off and putting the mic right down here. That's why we had, like, two seconds of silence and then... And, and you then th- right back at it. You think maybe he bobbled the words, too, because he was so excited to take He's like, I'm going to really do it. I'm going to do it. I told my kids I would. I'm, gonna, I'm really going to do it. Yeah. All these things are possible, which is what we're saying. Like, hey, Dan, let's just address it and move on. That's right. We appreciate you, Dan. Love you, Dan. Keep going, Dan. He did a great game. I think he did, too. I like Dan Orlovsky as a human. I know him as a human, so I like him as a person. So whenever he says the stuff that he says sometimes that people lose their mind about and hate him for, I'm like, that's Dan. What are we... Like, that's Orlovsky. Mm-hmm. And Orlovsky genuinely feels those ways, too. Like, there's some people that are talking on TV, and we talked about this this morning, yep. actually, while we were sitting around the bar here, and I can't wait for you to see it, AJ. It's become a really cool area over here. Uh, we are talking about it. It's obvious when somebody on TV doesn't believe what they're saying, right? It's like, 
you obviously don't believe what you're saying, but you're saying it right now for the purpose of the show, for the purpose of debate, for whatever you're doing. Orlovsky believes everything he says. <laughs> Wholehearted. He, he believes everything he says. So, like, there's people that are like, Orlovsky's this, Orlovsky's that. Like, Orlovsky's like, this is, what, this is how it's born. That's what yeah. I think. What, what do you 1, want? 1,000%. I have no idea. It, really? Like, you've known him since college. 1,000%. When he first got on, you know, started his climb on TV, I would text him, like, Dan. Like what the fuck are you talking about? And he would, we were back, we would go back and forth and say, so yeah, you're right. He absolutely believe everything he says. And you got to appreciate that because he'll step gotcha. in the batter's box for everything. Yeah, everything he's getting in there, he's going high bat, mm-hmm. right under the hoop. He's hitting sixty one of them too in the AL. That's he's right, he's hitting sixty one more than Babe Ruth, who when Babe Ruth hit sixty home runs in the AL or whatever, said. Fuck you, bitch. Nobody's ever going to be able to do that. Yeah, I'd like to see that son of a bitch do that. And this is this is an actual quote from Jeff Passan, who's an actual journalist in the baseball world. So we have to take his tweet as a matter of fact. Yes. When Babe Ruth hit his 60th home run in one season, his quote was, 60, count him, 6-0. Let's see some other son of a bitch match that. Beast. When Aaron Judge hit his 60th last night in the bottom of the ninth in a game they were down five, he says to get a chance to play baseball at Yankee Stadium, packed house, first place team, that's what you dream about. Now, a couple different situations here. Obviously, there's a lot of media training that has taken place since Babe Ruth was around. Uh, there's a lot more access to players, and players are a little, little bit more guarded. Um, but also, Babe Ruth probably had about four or five cigs in his mouth at the time, and he, yeah. he assumed that there wasn't, the sport was going to stay the same way. It wasn't going to grow into Aaron Judge, who's six seven, two hundred and sixty five pounds, can dunk a basketball, can play any sport, mm-hmm. and yoking fucking dingers uh, in baseball. But that's what baseball has become. And Aaron Judge is about to make all the money in the world. Ty, yeah. you're a Yankees fan and a baseball fan. Last night was pretty monumental. Right now, let's not. We know they hit a grand slam to beat the Pirates in the ninth with zero outs. Right. Oh, Ended no. the game with zero outs in the ninth inning. What? Uh, Pirates are up five or four going into the ninth. They lose somehow. That's a, that's good Pirates baseball. Nonetheless, records are tied. Games were won. This was a big night for Yankees and for baseball as a whole, right? Yeah, absolutely massive. I mean, baseball's been played for how long? And he's about, he, there's a very good chance. He's not, it's not for sure yet, but there, he's probably going to break the AL home run record. He also might win the Triple Crown. Only 10 guys have done that in, since, like, 1922. So he's wow. going to lead the AL in batting average home runs and RBIs. Yeah, I tweeted it last night. Like, the, the Yankees, he had an arbitration thing that he settled with them. I think he's making, like, $20.8 million this year. They had a cha- they offered him, se- I think it was, what, seven years, uh, $213 and, like, $13 million. And he knew his worth. He bet on himself. He said, fuck that. I'm not doing that. They're gonna to have to give him like four hundred and fifty, five hundred million dollars. I mean, this is the most congratulations, probably, yeah, man. That's awesome. Probably the most impressive uh, hitting season in the history of baseball. Holy fuck, AJ! Did you know you were watching that last night when you were watching? I turned it on in the ninth inning. I caught it right at the right time, not for the Pirates, but for the fucking Yankees and for baseball as a whole. It was electrifying. And then watching the the coverage afterwards, this is a massive ordeal, AJ. Yeah, it is a huge deal. It's tough. I I don't see it as much as I did like back in the day when. I was younger, obviously, McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds are hitting 100 homers a year. But I wanted to ask Ty, has anyone post the steroid era, Ty, had 60 before? Uh, I don't think so. Stanton, who hit the uh, walk-off Grand Slam last night for the Yankees, he came pretty close. He won the MVP 
Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but I think he hit either 56 or 57. But, no, I think the last time someone hit 60-plus was when Sosa and Maguire were going back and forth. And what did they end up at, 70-something? Sammy hit 66, Maguire hit 70, and then I think two years later, Barry Bonds hit 73, and that's what the record is now. So there's a chance. Now, he would have to get very hot here, but he could catch the era of when everybody was literally chewing gum. They had a scientific gum that would up their testosterone for their at-bats, let alone everything else that they were taking. He's doing this all in a very heavily dope-tested, I would assume, performance enhancing drug tested time this is why it's more impressive than anything else that's really happened that and just hitting in baseball in general like i mean we've talked about it you know like how many guys do you see like a lot of people are throwing 100 miles an hour like a lot of guys throw really hard now have crazy movement on their pitches and just the the av- the batting average in general across baseball is much lower so guys just like it, it's kind of a pitcher's league now, and for they him throw to, fresh arms at him all the time. Exactly, the like hit when it's like the guy gets the guy gives up one hit. Here we go, oh, bring well, a reliever. Like they just keep bringing dudes in. Well, last night Will Carlo was throwing BP basically to the Yankees. The guy came in for a Pirates, oh, and no. he's like, "Hey, how you doing? Let me go ahead and groove fucking ninety-seven right over the middle for you." And Judge is like, "Thank you." There's a record. And Giancarlo Stanton, obviously, I don't watch baseball, but I understand this is a big moment. So we were taking time out of our football program. Mm-hmm. To acknowledge how awesome it is for Aaron Judge to not only break this record that Babe Ruth has had for a long time. Roger Maris actually holds the AL record. So he tied Babe Ruth last night. Roger Maris, who's also a Yankee, hit 61. So that'll be the... Okay, so we prove even more that we have no idea what we're talking about. But I do know that that Pirates pitcher last night was throwing BP. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, he just, he says, I'm going to go one quarter swing, basically. Close stance. Just like a punt, he line drive that fucking ball however many feet to win the goddamn game during a grand slam thanks to the Pirates Buccos uh, pitcher there. But is that what the Yankees baseball is all the time? That was electrifying. Yeah, kind of. When the Yankees, uh, like earlier this year when they were like, you know, the best team in baseball playing at like an unprecedented level, maybe going to have the best record ever, they kind of live and die by the homer. So like when they have guys hitting home runs, they typically win. And yeah, that's Stanton's swing playing. He's so muscle bound that it's kind of just, hey, I'm going to do a nice little short swing. I'm going to hit it a thousand miles an hour. Line drive, it was like 410 feet. And then the other side of that is if he's not hitting a homer, he's basically just hitting the easiest double play of all time. So, which is why he, he's been hurt a lot this year. His average is just above 200. But I really do think, and any Yankees fan too, like that was kind of the, like winning that game last night in that fashion. That is going to be huge going forward. Like the Yankees might be back. Okay. So the Yankees oh. might be back. Are the Mets back? Have we won? Cause I saw Jerry Seinfeld was like, the trumpet ruined our team. And I guess we started stinking. I get texts from Michael Cole telling me that I'm the curse. Ever since I became a fan of their team, they started sucking. I'm like, well, I've heard stories you guys sucking. Yeah, forever. we haven't heard much. Haven't what, heard much from the Mets clinched? lately. Are they I, dead? Yeah, I believe they have clinched the playoffs. That's so. what I'm talking That's yeah, what we do. Come on. Fucking hit the trumpet. The thing with them is the Braves are also in their division who won the World Series last year, and they just got ungodly hot. Uh you know, friend of the program, Dansby Swanson, turned it on. He seems like he's he's probably going to win a gold glove this year. Like, that's kind of the – but we'll see. The thing with the Mets kind of has always been that they kind of choke in the playoffs, so so we'll see if they can turn it around this All year. All right. Well, we appreciate the hell out of the baseball information. And congrats to baseball on having a uh, historic yeah. run happen yep. right here in front of your eyes. Love you, Judge. Let's talk about some – he's going to get so much money from the Pittsburgh Unprecedented. Uh, Boston Red Sox. Unprecedented, AJ. Yeah. It's all over the place. A lot of unprecedented things have been happening lately. They have been. Like, for instance. It's a good time to be alive. 
a studio gets launched. Day one, day two, have a show. Day one, audio problem. Day two, seems to be going okay, getting better, somewhat of an audio problem. Day three, almost don't, can't go live. How's that happen? You tell me. Couldn't go live today? Almost, real close. We were real close. It was a whole thing. Legit, came out of nowhere. Bam. But the incredible people working in the studio in the back, uh, Vig, Deepak, Pauly B and the boys, mm-hmm. figure out the problem, make it happen. We appreciate the hell out of it. But they are all scheduled to leave soon. And I was going to say, are they full-time people or are they leaving? They've been here. They're good people. I've learned a lot about them. You know, I don't like a lot of people kind of just hanging around. I, I don't enjoy it, you know, because it's like we don't need any distraction conversations. We're trying yeah. to do our stoogeness and our show and everything. These guys have been great. They've been around. I don't know when they're going to leave, but I do know it seems like a problem pops up out of nowhere that may, they may potentially have the answer for. Uh, but I got nothing but faith that Zito will put the spunking light on and pick up right where these guys are leaving. It'll, go. it'll probably yeah. take him a little bit because there are about 550,000 buttons back there that, you know, kind of no one knows what they do or what they control or any of that kind of stuff. But, yeah, Zito's going to take one look at it and be like, oh, boom, I know exactly what that's going to. How about Zito go into the, one of those things? We won't be able to use, like, three-eighths of those buttons anymore, but we can easily just attach it to that. Is that okay? And I'll go, yeah, we got a lot of buttons, right? And Zito will go, yeah, I mean, those oh. buttons are definitely, they're good buttons that we're not going to be able to use ever again if we do that, but we'll definitely be able to get it. And I'm always like, yeah, fuck those buttons. Zito's like, I don't like doing this, but all right, see ya. Bang. Yeah. Those buttons now have a book on top of them. Those things <laughs> yep. didn't even exist. We might as well not have got it, but we're right up and in there. And that's what this operation is, and that's why Zito Productions are oh, such a glorious thing. Maybe right Z. Love you, Z. Love you, Z. This place Zito. is dope. Maybe they're just back there beep, beep, causing a little problem so they can keep hanging out. Kind of want to. Well, D, but I don't want to say that. Uh, Good move. That's I'm, been discussed. I don't want to <laughs> say that I'm an immediate, like, <laughs> oh, everybody's sabotaging us <laughs> guy, because I am one of those guys naturally. Oh, you're fucking us. Oh, you're sabotaging. Oh, you're doing that. that is my natural reaction and everything. These guys good guys. Great yeah. guys. Others? I met Paul. Cool, cool dude. Paulie is a cool guy. He's an Eagles <laughs> fan too. It's a good time to be a Birds fan in this office after that Monday night football game. I mean, right. they fucking just did it. Super Bowl pick. Hey, okay, let's dive into it. Jalen Hurts looks unbelievable right yeah. now. Darius, you picked the Philadelphia Eagles to go to the Super Bowl because you like the dog mentality. You like the way Jalen Hurts is going to progress. You like Sirianni. Uh, after a couple weeks, you got to feel very good about it. And on the defense side of the ball, they're balling. Mm-hmm. I love this Eagles team. They seem to be a fun team to root for right now. Love it, man. You, you start, start in those trenches. Uh, dogs in the trenches on both sides, and then you look at the skill positions on, on both sides of the ball. You saw what Slay did against, you know, one of the best receivers in the game with Jefferson. And it hurts, man, the steps that he's taking at that, at that quarterback position. Obviously, we know what he can do athletically, but um, the reads he's making, the throws he's making, he got a full grasp on the game right now. So this team, I mean, the arrow's only going up. There's no players-only meetings happening in Philadelphia <laughs> right now. They are very happy about everything. Did you hear about this in Cleveland? And one day before Thursday Night Football, Pittsburgh, Cleveland Browns, both teams have a lot of shit to figure out. Pittsburgh Steelers are going through their own shit. They got a new quarterback for the first time in like 18 years. Ben Roethlisberger has been a study. His podcast, he's pretty involved. Oh, yeah. He was at the game in a suite cheering for the team. Yeah. He and Haji. Goddamn right. Merrill Hodge is the co-host of football in this week, uh, is who AJ was talking about. He's all the way invested in his program in that team, and they're trying to figure it out right now. And I got faith that Mike Tomlin will, but the fans are already chanting the backup quarterback's name, which we all expected in Pittsburgh. Uh, if Mitchell Trubisky didn't do great, people are calling for Matt Canada's head, the offense coordinator. So the Steelers have their own shit to figure out as well going into this Thursday night football game. But I, the culture, we know. Right? The culture, we know. Tomlin's culture, we know. New quarterback, we know the culture. For the Browns, Stefanski, 
Obviously, he's brand new in there. Andrew Barry, just a couple years in there, has them making the play to bring in Deshaun Watson. I don't think we fully know their culture yet. So when we hear the fact that there's a players-only meeting happening after two weeks of football and you're one and one, that is that alarming to you, AJ? And and what what is that your first reaction to hearing that? First first reaction, pretty early in the year for this to happen. Very obviously, early, my yeah. my natural reaction. But then I'm thinking, all right, trying to like. I heard you talking about Jerry earlier, and I do appreciate it. Jerry does seem to be Mr. Positivity. Like, <laughs> those people are fun to be around when it's always positive. And I think if you want to look at the positive way, maybe the Browns are saying, hey, let's not let this get away from us. Let's try to clean this garbage up right now. We let a game get away from us that we should have won. That's not who we are. Let's talk about it for a second so some of these young, impressionable guys don't go off the rails and we just tank this season. So that's my positive take on it, but also like, I don't think they do a whole lot either. Well, we, Darius and I got into the dynamic of players only meetings and we, you and I have chatted about it before in the past and you were with the Packers. He was with the Panthers, the Patriots and the Colts. We all have the same thoughts on them. <laughs> Every person has the same thoughts on them. Beginning, we think the message is good and probably can cut through, but then normally it just turns into. Who else wants to talk? Who else wants to show that they're a leader? <laughs> Darius said we need it. Who has some slam poetry to do? Yeah, oh, yeah. Darius said we need a shot clock. Uh, like the first guys, <laughs> right. it's like award show. Like the big awards, they can talk forever, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Then the little smaller awards, it's like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Like in those players only meeting, they should have somebody on the ox. And it's like, all right, who's speaking? At Miles Garrett speaking. Okay. Go ahead, Miles. What you got to do? Oh, now Jacoby's speaking, although he's new to the team. He's that type of guy. Speaking for the offense alongside Chubb and Hunt. Do what you got to do. Special teams guy talks. Okay, now we got backup linebacker mm-hmm. who's seen some things. Okay, he's been around, knows his thing. He gets up there. I think you get 15, 20 seconds to so share your heart. And then I think, I think Oxcord is maybe even like an obnoxious sound, like a, Maybe it's Brownie the Elf laughing. That's just, you know, laughing them off the fucking stage act there. They, I hope that this isn't a sign of terribleness because. How do we know about it? Who told us about it? It was a tweet. It was a tweet. So a a player told Mary Kay. I was going to say. Cabot, as you say. Everything comes out of Mary Kay Cabot, uh, out of, uh, Cleveland, but Tom Withers, who is Associated Press, says the Browns held a players only meeting. Not sure if that's good or bad. After two games, Tom seems to be in the same conversation that we're having. Uh, hopefully the Browns fans get a chance to celebrate something at some point. Because just a little bit ago, they were terrible, god-awful, miserable. We're going to go get drunk at games and maybe throw beer bottles at the owner. That's right. Then they get, uh, which just happened again, they, they tap back into the little nostalgia effect at the end of this last game. Then they get a quarterback, Baker Mayfield, seems to fit the city. Yeah. Guy likes to have a good time, gritty. seems to be a little gritty. Isn't Chip a fight. on his shoulder. Talks shit, he's a fighter win some big games for us, takes us to the playoffs, we win a fucking playoff game. Here we go. Life is good. We're going to grow. Well, actually, everybody in the building hates him. Get him out of here. Now we're going to pay the largest contract in the history of football to a guy who has a lot going on outside of the field that's very serious, and we're going to have to deal with him not playing for at least six games or whatever. Uh, so the Cleveland Browns fans oh, yeah. have been on a full one of these and if they're having players-only meetings after week two, I assume there's a lot of people in Cleveland going, ah, oh, we fucking, this of is course. it. We suck again. But if they go on to win some games, we'll look back at this players-only yep. meeting and say this was the moment. Right, there. They, they got in front of it. And they can't go on a run. They can't run, you know, four, five, six in a row. They got the guys. Pittsburgh Steelers don't have it all figured out. They did when they had this guy on the team, though. Joining us now is a Hall of Famer. A man who is, I want to read off all the accolades. He's obviously a Super Bowl champion, defensive player of the year in 1993, six-time, 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 
six-time first-team All-Pro, 11-time Pro Bowler. He's from Indiana, went to Purdue, and he's now currently an XFL head coach. You know him as a Steeler, Raven, Raider. He's also a Niner. Yeah. Uh, we looked up in our research. Ladies and gentlemen, safety, Rod Woodson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's going on, man? Hey, thank you for joining hey, I'm us. Gonna, I, I'm going to let you guys know. You guys, I love watching your guys' show because you keep it real. Okay, Rod. I love to see you guys just talk ball, keep it real. It's like being in the living room, right? That's how we all, that's how the locker room, that's how you talk in the locker room. And you know, just bringing that to the, to the masses. It's very comforting, I can say it that way. Well, we're very lucky that people like you join us for conversations who are legends of the game, trailblazers in the game, stalwarts of the game. We're very thankful for that. And also, thank you for paying attention to our shit. I mean, honestly, it sucks most days. You must have seen some good clips. We appreciate the hell out of you. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. We were just talking about this, and I'd like to get your take on this because now you're a head coach in the XFL. Excited to hear about that. But you played in the NFL, obviously, a long, long, long time. Players-only meetings are an interesting thing. And I don't know what they were like back whenever you were uh, doing your thing. I can only talk from my time. Norman, there's a couple guys that can break through. Then it gets to the shit at the end, and it's like, all right, did we accomplish anything? Hopefully, but usually it's just like nothing takes place. Cleveland's already calling for team uh, player-only meetings after two weeks into the season. What do, what's your take on that, Rod, as a guy that's been around football for so long? We've I've only have- – in my 17 years, I only did one players-only meeting, and that was with the Raiders. And normally, when you do a players-only meeting, everything's going to crap. I mean, it's you know, you, you're not everything's not perfect in that in the building and in the locker room and on the field. Um, normally, though, for us and for me throughout my career, we normally handled everything in the locker room every single week. Uh, we took a personal uh, our especially in Pittsburgh and in Baltimore. Uh, we made sure that everything was done the right way uh, on a consistent basis. And if you didn't do it the right way, you're going to hear from us in the locker room. That's how great teams are made up. And then once you have to have a players-only meeting, it's gone to a place that normally teams don't come back from. Week two, Rod. It's week two. It's fucking week three right now. It's very early for this. I know. And I don't know how you – there must be more going on than, you know, what we know. Um, but in in the first two weeks, I just don't know how you call a meeting that quick. Yeah, me either. Go ahead, AJ. Rod, I feel, I feel like sometimes players think the head coach or other coaches would think, like, oh, this is good. I'm showing the coach that I really care. Like, I'm going to call a, a players-only meeting. Do you think coaches like when they see this happen? Heck no. Let <laughs> <laughs> hey, me ask you this. Have you ever heard of the – the great teams each year do ever do a players only meeting? No, never. <laughs> no, absolutely. They, you, everything is going to crap. That's why you have the players only meeting. And then, I mean, but if you look at the great teams, even in the league today, they have leaders. So my question all the time is every team, when I'm looking at the teams, I'm going, who are the leaders? If they don't have leaders, I don't even think they're going to be even that good enough to go to the Super Bowl and or win the Super Bowl. But you got to have leaders in the locker room that's going to do it on a daily basis, that's going to build a culture in that locker room that holds everybody accountable, even the leaders, because the truth doesn't always feel good, and it does hurt sometimes, but then you have to give love when you, love is due. And I think if you do that, 
you can find a really good balance in a football team. That word culture gets thrown around so much, but I think that locker room is really what drives it. It's what creates it. And to your point, like if guys are having problems with each other, guys showing up late, and we don't, there has to be more to it, like you mentioned. Maybe some things happened earlier in training camp or week one, and then they lose to the Jets in basically unprecedented fashion. It was the 2,332nd game that a team was up by 13 or more with two minutes left, and the other team had no timeouts. And that's the first time ever that the team came back and won, let alone on the road. So maybe there were some situations that led to that that weren't called out in the past. But I hope they get it figured out because those Browns fans have been on a ride here. Uh, let's talk about a team that you know a lot about, Pittsburgh Steelers. They're playing the Browns tomorrow night. They get a new quarterback situation happening. How do you think Tomlin handles that? And have you been back around the Steelers much in this new era since, you know, you're OG, XFL head coach now? You know, I know everybody there. Um, and I, I think Mike, I think what Mike, he went with Trubisky, uh, he's been there, done it. Uh, probably a better scrambler than Pickett because they do have they still have some issues on offensive line. But I really think for the long term effect, I think if you put Pickett in there with these young receivers, young running back, let them all grow together. Oh. Keep putting your pieces in there on offensive line. I think that's the key for the success for Mike Talman in the future. I think they're built. They're both to win right now on defense. I think they got so many young uh, pieces on offense. I would love to see Pickett be that guy. And I say it this way because I've never seen too many quarterbacks play marginally okay at one place and then come to another place and play lights out. I've never seen it in the history of football. <laughs> I mean, maybe Rich Gannon. Tannehill. It's, it's very rare. Hold on, Rod. And Tannehill. But he's Tannehill's played well, but, but he's like he's he's a roller coaster. He needs a running game to go with his passing game. If he doesn't have a running game, Tannehill is not that quarterback. I, I think we can all be fair with that. But Tannehill, yes, he has played well. I think he's played well these last couple of years. But most quarterbacks in this league, in the history of football, they don't play marginally okay one place and then come to another place and play lights out. You are what you are, Rod said. You are what you are. Go ahead, AJ. <laughs> Rod, obviously you have tons of interceptions and you've been reading quarterbacks' eyes and their intentions your whole life. Like, what do the great ones do that make it so tough on DBs? The great quarterbacks, the great quarterbacks, and I say the great, the best quarterback I ever played against was Dan Marino. Ooh, and I, I've said smart. this for quite a long time. Go. Just for the fact that Danny couldn't run from he couldn't run 20 yards in 50 seconds. I mean, he just can't. I mean, he just couldn't go anywhere. But he can hold the ball. He can slide in the pocket. He can slide up. And he could sling that rock down the field like no other. And think about it. Dan Marino threw for 5,000 yards, what, in 91? In 91. If Dan Marino had these rules, oh. Dan Marino would throw for 6,500 yards. Hey, Dan Marino. Easy. Hey, he's a Pittsburgh guy. You know, he's tough. He's got that grit. What? He can sling the rock. <laughs> Used to have a great time too. I heard. I don't know if you ever got a chance to. I heard Dan Marino used to live as well while he was slinging it. Darius Butler, nine-year <laughs> NFL vet in the secondary, has a question for you, Rod. At a Rod, you played seventeen years, obviously as a player, so you're probably a coach in the field. But what was that? Uh, what was the toughest adjustment from you going from obviously an all-time great player to a coach? The biggest thing I, for me was obviously everybody's not going to be me. I, I, knew, I knew that, but I'm no, a formation-driven formation player. 
and a formation is a different player. So I look at my, I look at the, the field, I look at the formation, irrelevant of the personnel groupings, because they're going to give you different personnel groupings. They're going to move different pieces. But as soon as they finish up in a certain area, three by one, and it's condensed, they only run so many plays. Yep. And, and it's more situational football, first down, second down, third down. They only run so many plays. And then I eliminate those plays. Well, heck, as a coach, I thought all the players looked at it that way. So I built all my like my cut-ups and all that stuff with straight formations. And at the end of the year, asked my guys, hey, what can I do for you guys? And they're like, hey, can you put personnel in there? I'm like, what? Why? Why? You don't need to see personnel. So I, it made me rethink how my – and now what we always say as coaches, you learn your learners. Mm-hmm. Is he a rep guy? Is he a visual guy? You know, is he an audio guy? You have to learn who they are, and then you have to you got to teach them their way, because everybody doesn't learn in the same way. That's the one thing I had to really learn about coaching. Me, AJ, and Darius talk about how we would never, ever, 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 ever coach in the National Football League. The <laughs> amount of time and commitment you have to do, you have to kind of have that as a trait. I think in like innately, I think it has to be a genetic trait that you have that you want to coach. Did you always know you were going to be a coach? Nope. Oh, never. Really? You know, when I when I retired in 2003, Bill Cowher called me the year I retired and he asked me to be the, the DB coach or the corner coach for the Steelers. And I was just like, coach, I love you to death, man. Um, I'm not ready. <laughs> I knew the commitment that I would have to make to be a really good head coach because I'm only going to do something and jump into something if I'm committed to it. And um, I didn't want to do it. Uh, and then my kids, my younger boys started playing ball and I was coaching them and I really got the itch. And then in 2011, Al Davis called me and asked me, do I want to be the corner coach for the, the Oakland Raiders? And you can't turn on Al Davis. That's the godfather. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, yes, sir. I'll, let's let me do it. And I, I mean, I had a good gig at the NFL network and I, I left the gig, went to coach. Uh, I think it was my best decision I ever made <clears throat> just for the fact I wish I would have done it earlier, but uh, love coaching, love what I do. Now, what I say to these grinders, because remember back in the day, they had eight millimeter films and you had to splice the tape and then they had, that's where they had to stay all night. Yeah. Today, oh, I can comment, ask my, I can, yeah, I can just go right to my video guy right now and go, hey, my third down, third and three runs in trips left. In this personnel, show me all the runs. I get them in ten seconds. What the heck? I don't need to stay there all. Oh, you're saying there's a lot of wasted time. You're saying, coach, you're saying there's a lot of wasted time. There's a lot of wasted time. No, yeah, a lot of guys don't want to be home with the family. No, no. but that's the truth. So one thing that Dick LeBeau used to always say is that you you got to know that you know. You can always look at film, but you have to know that you know. And then once you do that, are they going to give you a different formation? Absolutely. But then your base rule should get you through the down. Uh, and they're going to give you a different defense, maybe a different blitz you haven't seen on offense, absolutely. But then your base rule should get you through it. Then you can come back and, and talk about it. That is, that's like the basis of football. That's Dick LeBeau's version of it. Football is a simple game. It's not easy to play at a high level on a consistent basis. What's your what's this new gig with the XFL? Obviously a head coach. Do you have any any head coach that you want to model your style after? I'm a I'm a Tony Dungy Dick LeBeau guy. I don't get really I don't get real fired up. I never really got real fired up as a player. Um, 
I'm not a holler and a screamer. I'm a matter of fact type of guy. Uh, I'm going to tell my guys, hey, you can do it. Do it this way. If you want to do it your own way, you better get it done. If you don't get it done, you're going to be sitting beside me. If you don't sit beside me, you're going to get cut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those, are, those are the options. You know, so those are the options. And, and I think what you should always do as a coach, you should always pick coaches where you're not always the smartest person in the room. I mean, I got some OG coaches that have been in the league for a while, so they understand football. And I'm not going to have to look over their shoulders to make sure they're doing the right thing. Uh, it sounds like a great culture you're building over there. Which team are you the head coach for at the XFL? It's going to be the Vegas team. Are we going to we're going to show our colors and all that stuff next week? We're going to give our name next Ooh. week, but it's going to be the Vegas team. Oh, it's a good name. You we have got even- the best. I think. I, we, yeah, we got a nice name, and I think we got the best uniforms in the league. Ooh, that's a big deal. Wow. Hey, that's a big deal for people picking which team they're going to be yeah, a fan right. of. That's Who, the first thing I look at. Who's got the nicest <laughs> shit? All right, seems like they had a good name, too. You might build an entire brand. Are you GM as well? Because I remember the last XFL head coach also GM. Is that real? Well, we got a DPP, um, which is kind of like our GM. And Joey Porter, I mean, excuse me, uh, Joey Klinkscale, who played with me in Pittsburgh. And then we finished up with the Raiders together in personnel. He was the per- one of the personnel guys. Um, so we kind of see the game together. We see it kind of like Pittsburgh trying to get the best athlete on the field. And when you get a lot of good athletes on the field, a lot of good things can happen. Just got to get everybody going in the right direction. It sounds like they coach. got a coach. Yeah, that's I, gonna coach for him. So I got a DB coach for you out there, uh, Tavon Branch. I know you're familiar with him. He told me getting that itch to coach. What? Yeah. So, hey, so I'm going to have him reach out Branch? to you. Yeah. Branch, Branch wants to coach. Yep, he said he got that itch. Hey, hey, tell him to hit me up. There we go. Hey, hey, good friend. Good friend, good coach, good team. Hey, All let's right. go. Oh, yeah. we're, we're pulling for the Vegas uh, Woodsons. Gomblers. God, the God. Uh, the <laughs> Vegas Aces. The I, I, can say, I can tell you this. It's a, it's, a, it's, a dangerous, it's a dangerous name. Oh. Renegades. Dude, they got the Vegas Rattlesnakes out there, dude. Oh. Hey, they, just, they got a championship parade with the Aces, so it's hey, a championship coach out there now. Hey, they did. That was a hell of a parade out there. It seems like Vegas is excited for this. Hopefully the XFL squad with Rod Woodson goes on and not only takes an identity of the coach, but of the whole league. Mm-hmm. Why not just represent the entire league, this That's Vegas right. squad? Have Dwayne Johnson out there cutting fucking promos in the oh, middle of Vegas. Yes. It'll be amazing. A couple of the boys have some questions for you. Is that all right, Rod? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Go ahead, Ty. Rod, does anything change going from coaching in the NFL to going to the XFL where it's a developmental league and some of the guys maybe, you know, I mean, obviously you're still going to hold them to a standard, but the guys that aren't necessarily ready to play in the NFL just yet, like, does that change your coaching style at all? No, it doesn't change because you still want them to be a better version of themselves tomorrow than they are today. And the only way you can do that is be honest with them, right? And and it it is a development league. I mean, if you think about the – NFL only their development league is college. And a lot of those guys who come out early, they can't go back to college and they need another year or two and they don't get it in the national football league. Cause the national football league is, look, it's been played over a hundred years. So they're not going to wait on you to, to develop. So this is a place where guys can still develop maybe mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it might be. But it's, you know, for us as coaches, we still need to hold them at a standard to be the better version of themselves. And whatever that is, that's, that's what it's going to be. Listen, the best of the best of the best of the best in the world play in the National Football League. So we're not going to have those guys. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to have guys who can play, but they they might need a little help here and there. And I think we've got to be honest with the guys when they're moving forward. 
Coach, I don't want to give you any ideas because you know football much better than I do. So I would be ignorant to even start saying this. This is as a spectator of all these spring leagues, okay? We need a mobile quarterback. We need a guy that can move, uh-huh. okay? Because you're getting what? The NFL yep. has three guys on each roster, basically. That's 32 teams. That's 96 quarterbacks that are already taken, let alone a training camp when every team has five guys. That's like what? You start doing 160 mm-hmm. quarterbacks are already gone. For the XFL, which quarterbacks you got to get? In the offensive line, you're not going to be able to get as much, you know, synergy together. So, so you need right. a guy that can move. You need a guy that can move. It feels like every league we watch, the quarterback who's the best athlete, who can make the throws, obviously mm-hmm. got to be able to make some throws. The best athlete, the quarterback, I feel like, they usually ends go. up having success, Coach. You're absolutely right. That's our key. Our, your key hire for any league, you got to get a quarterback. you got to get a quarterback that's mobile. And, a, and I mean, think about, I mean, all the quarterbacks that can sit in the pocket, they're, they're, they're like dinosaurs now, right? I mean, the old school, old school philosophy has kind of gone away where these new school quarterbacks who can extend plays, like think about what Kyra Murray did last week. He had a play, 20 second play. <laughs> you can't cover nobody for 20 seconds in the National Football League. But that's what that's what you have to do nowadays. And when you can find guys like that, man, they, they just add value to your football team. Let's go, Vegas mob mobsters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it? The- oh no, no, not mobsters. That you can't. I, I think that would be. It is dangerous, though. <laughs> it is dangerous, but that's not. It's not that. It's not dangerous in that direction. Got it, Connor. Your question for Rod Woodson, Hall of Famer. Yeah, Rod. You mentioned having a bunch of OGs on your coaching staff. How do you feel about some of these new coaches that are uh, becoming head coaches, like McDaniel and Hackett? Because we were talking about how Hackett has kind of gone in his uh, pref co- press conferences, saying he's, you know, he thinks he can do better and all those types of things. Sorry about that. Yeah, you know, I guess and let me, I'll say this, and I'm not going to disparage about coaching or young coaches. I learned all my real knowledge from older coaches because they've been there and they've done it. They they had those wars throughout their younger careers, and now they realize what really works in the National Football League. Um, I always learn from my older coaches. I didn't learn anything from a young coach. Not saying that I couldn't. I just think a young coach still is learning, still developing as a coach. Um, and some of them are really good play callers. But at the end of the day, your head coach doesn't need to be a play caller. Your head coach needs to be a person who can lead 53 men to play for not the name on their back, but to play for the name on the front and to play for a common deed to play together. That's hard to do. That's why that's why all these coaches get fired every two to three years because they can't bring everybody together. You have to bring everybody together to make them play as a whole. And if they can't play as a whole, they're going to lose. Well, I can't wait to watch the Vegas uh, Tommy guns. gangsters, Marauders, <laughs> Vegas Marauders. Not bad. The what did you say? No, you, said, the, the, you, you said a name the first time. Renegades. That's what, yep. There we go. Something well, there with used to be Renegades. Oh. Used to be the Renegades, but it's not. But somebody mentioned something at the very beginning. So that was 
the closest that you gave you, you got. Uh, we'll figure it out. We don't need you to be the guy telling us because we don't <laughs> put you on any hot seats early here mm-hmm. with the XFL. But I can't wait to see what the name is. Can't wait to see you kind of transcend the game over there in the XFL. And can't wait to watch your football life this Friday, 9 p.m. on Ooh. NFL Network. Yeah, I've heard the that. cameos are amazing. You obviously had a very long, successful career, and everybody loved either playing alongside you or coaching you. A football life is quite an honor. I assume that you were excited to do that alongside NFL Films and NFL Network? Yeah, I, I didn't know they wanted to have a football life of a boring person. I'm like, man, I don't, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not flashy. You know, I don't wear jewelry. I don't do crazy things. I'm just a country boy from Indiana. You know, that's, you know, my, my whole life has been based on my faith and my family. So, like, you know, why they want to do a story on me? I'm like, oh, yeah, we can do a story. Sure, let's do it. Hey, I'm sure so it's going it to it was It was fun, though. It was fun. No, people need to hear that story, Rod. People need to hear that. People need to remember how great you were, not only on the field, but what you're going to do for the game as a whole. We appreciate your time here, and thank you for the kind words at the beginning. Man, I appreciate you guys. Love the show. Keep it up, fellas. You got it. Ladies and gentlemen, Hall of Famer, and now XFL head coach of the Vegas Rattlesnakes. Ladies and gentlemen, Rod Woodson. (laughs) Football has been that baby. Hey, wow, let's go, AJ. Yeah. Music, I made it. Yeah, well, I'm gonna have to get the timing of that done. Foxy pieced that together in beautiful fashion while also dealing with all the NFL films requests. Foxy, great work on that. Hey, that baby, Foxy. Thank you, boys. We might get a little bit more vocal cues to get Nick back there to know whenever he's gonna turn on the uh, microphone. He's also sitting behind uh, yeah, yeah the entire space operation back there. It's gonna take us to the next level. Gonna take some time, but we're always joined by a man who's the all-time leading tackler for the Green Bay Packers. A quarterback on the field. Goddamn right. For the defensive side. Green dot. Uh, college Coach. football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, COVID survivor. How many times, AJ, you beat COVID? Uh, a couple, two or three, maybe. Talks to table at Boss Connor at Ty Schmidt and a uh, man who hosts the Man to Man podcast. A man who also hosts NFL matchups on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Of course. At one point was known as one of the most athletic people <laughs> walking this earth. Yeah. A man who's going to break down a lot of uh, secondary coverage for us here in a little bit, probably about 55 minutes or so, 50 minutes, to really take this Wednesday into a beautiful evening. Darius J. Baller. Yeah, d two. The internet's cooking you right now. Over to be like that sometimes. Over for 2. Are we including the throws? Or? Hey, shoot or shoot, man. Yeah. Don't shoot worry about it. Hey, your next shot's your best shot. You're about to drain something here, and all these people sending those tweets are going to be on freezing cold takes. Oh, right. You know what I mean? They're going to be on freezing cold takes. The boys in the back, Foxy, Zito, and Nick, appreciate all everybody's hard work on this Wednesday. Let's. Uh, we got Todd Haley joining us in about 25 minutes. Ooh. Todd Haley, coach for both the Steelers and the Browns. Mm, uh, yeah. He has a uh, Thursday show. That takes place noon to three, I believe, on Sirius XM. Uh, so we might have put a request in for him on Thursday tomorrow, uh, and did like crazy. the most disrespectful thing of all time. Like, yeah, I have, I have a show almost at that. So we do apologize for that, Todd Haley. He's going to give us a great conversation about this game that's going to kick off week three tomorrow night in about twenty five minutes. But we have other NFL stories we have to cover. Joe Hayden is retiring as a Brown. After 12 years in the NFL, congrats to Joe on this decision. Hey, baby Joe. Joe. 
Uh, Darius, you're here. It's a perfect day for this. Joe Hayden, obviously a corner. He came on this show and said he's never moving to safety. He nope. said, if I can't be a corner anymore, I'm done. When that day comes, I'll recognize it. I'll know it. He feels like that's now. What was Joe Hayden as a corner? And is this guy going to go down as one of the all-time greats, you think? Well, I mean, first of all, he made quarterback money. Top 10, uh, old CBA, but he came in, lived up to all the hype coming out of Florida, man. Ball for 12 years. Um, 150, I saw some stats 55. earlier. Yeah, 155 pass deflections, almost 29 interceptions. I mean, he put together a great career. Anybody who's followed football, you know, the players, uh, universally respected around the game, played it the right way. And, um, you know, going out on his own terms, let us see it. 155 passes deflected or defended? What is the Defended. Action? Defended. Mm -hmm. 155 is a lot. For those of us that might not know, 158 games, 615 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, seven forced fumbles, six fumble recoveries, three sacks, two touchdowns, three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, 155 passes defended, 29 interceptions. 155 is a lot of fucking passes. That's a lot of fucking. I mean, is that I don't PBUs? know. That's PBUs. I believe they may lump interceptions in there too, so they may overlap. Not sure, oh. but yeah, that's just getting your hand on the ball. And uh, I don't know where that 155 ranks, but I'm sure in his time and his tenure, it's got to be top three. Oh, Ritz like that. Yeah, Damn. it's got to be top three. Joe Hayden, absolute dog. Great shoe game too, AJ. And I know in Ohio he was beloved. He's retiring as a Brown. I think some Steelers fans were a little confused by that, but he was with the Cleveland Browns a long time. Yeah, he was. I think at least around here in Ohio, people have always loved Joe Hayden. When he's playing in Pittsburgh, they still loved him, but they were torn because obviously he was their guy from Cleveland. So, yeah, I think it's cool to see. I think the dude could still play, though, if he wanted to. Well, congrats Absolutely. to him. Congrats, yeah, congrats to Joe. 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 Thanks for coming on the show, being great with us, being yeah. great in the NFL community, and impacting every team, it feels like, in a positive way. Everybody yeah. that's ever played with him, right, says he's a cool dude. Yeah. You, you, I didn't know he was a top 10 pick. Got a Florida top 10 pick? Yeah, I think he was seven. Could have very easily been an asshole with how athletic he is, how good he is, top 10 pick. Uh, and instead, everybody talks about how much they love him. Congrats to Joe Hayden. Can't wait to see what you do next, dude. Can't wait to see what you do next. Hell yeah. What if Joe Hayden just becomes like the next bazillionaire? Yeah. Invent something. You'd be the could. president. Yeah. Maybe he's the next president. We could, you know, start. Well, I don't know. Could it be the next president? They've already started campaigning. He probably couldn't be the next president, but. I hate president. Is he 35? Is he 35, played 12 years, drafted early? Was that be 34 probably? Yeah, he came out of two years. So he's got to start probably campaigning 30, now getting to know the political game. And then in four years, five years, then he goes for president. He's 33 years old, so he can't be president yet. Oh, yeah. All right, so, hey, sorry. Hey, Joe, sorry. Not going to be fucking president. Hope you're happy. <laughs> Cross that <laughs> Can't even do it, Joe. Can't wait to see what it is. But making that decision to retire is a big one. It is a very big one. A lot of emotion goes into it. It's a lot of, like, even for me, and I didn't grow up in the football culture my entire life, but even for me, it was like, man, do I really want to stop doing what I'm recognized as? Like, that's even a deeper philosophy question that everybody kind of stares down when they're deciding to hang them up. Now, sometimes the league will tell you when. Sometimes you'll be forced out of a job. You won't be able to resign, and then that becomes, you know, some grudges and jade gets built up by players because it's the first time they've ever been told they haven't been good. But guys that kind of can come back, I think he's going to rehab right now, right? Didn't he? I think. I think he's healthy. I'm not sure. I'm not positive, but uh, I don't know. I don't probably know. just not I the right, you know, no right situation popped up. And then once you get into a certain point in the season. Probably like, all right, you all don't right. want to be in limbo. Because, I mean, I feel like I've had conversations with guys where they're like, if nobody calls me by yeah. this date, right. I'm good with it being I'm good with it being done. 
So if there's no injury. What if a contender? What if a contender calls him late in the year? Though? That's, what I'm, That's yeah. what I'm saying right now because I'm giving this entire speech about how when, like, retirement, you've thought about it a lot. If you actually announce your retirement, yeah. which he has not done yet. This has been a leak, I guess. He has not officially announced it, so we got to hear from his own words. But, like, that takes a lot to get to that point, like a lot. Lifestyle, family, what you're going to do, what's your purpose, everything. Like, all that shit comes into play. So, like, when Gronkowski retired the first time with his back injury, and, yeah. he, and everybody's like, he'll be back, he'll be back. I wasn't as old because I know guys really, you know, belabor the conversation with themselves on whether they should retire. He comes back, he retires again. I think he was reminded of everything he didn't necessarily love whenever he's in the league. Gets another Super Bowl, he retires. So just automatically assuming guys are going to come back, I think is the wrong thing to do. But if he's healthy, yeah, Bills call him or Tom in Tampa again. Yeah. Cause Hopefully we'll after, be able to ask him. Hopefully we'll yeah. be able to ask him. Even after Gronk's second time, he retired, right? Wasn't it his girlfriend or somebody who came out and was like, yeah, I still don't actually think he's done yet. So, <laughs> and who says he's not? Like the Bucks are 2-0. What happened? What's Gronk doing? Call him? Uh, is he, Gronk on TV somewhere? He's doing he the watch-alongs with the UFC. Are they still doing those? I think so. Where they, the, the, they broke the Tom Brady stuff, are those still continuing? Uh, I don't know if it's happened since then. I know there's been a few UFC events and it hasn't happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has So maybe happened. it's only the big ones. Like, for instance, breaking news out of the fight world, yeah. Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor boxing again. Uh, Floyd Mayweather told a uh, uh, source, the source then reported that Floyd told him he didn't know if it was going to be an exhibition or an actual fight, preferably an exhibition, so Floyd probably doesn't want to even have to dance with potentially you know, ruining his record at all, his perfection. Floyd Mayweather has now declared that Conor McGregor rematch is in final negotiations to potentially take place in 2023. He said, we don't know. It's going to be an exhibition or a real fight, but there's been talks of both. I would prefer an exhibition, says Floyd Mayweather. I do believe Logan Paul in his promo last Friday night in SmackDown uh, said, this is what I do. I come into genres and I challenge the best in the world because now he's uh, fighting Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel or whatever. He said Floyd Mayweather still hasn't paid him. So Floyd Mayweather's <laughs> setting up a new fight, still hasn't paid Logan Paul. But that last Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather boxing match, I just bought into the Conor McGregor hype because I didn't know shit about fucking the boxing world. And every boxing expert said 15 rounds of boxing is a different type of cardio. We understand that UFC and mixed martial arts is very difficult, but 15 rounds is a long fucking time to be doing something. And they all thought that he'd be shot round four, round five, round six. He made it to like round 11. He yeah. was at, he was really going. And then he, you know, they ended the fight and he said, at least let me go back to me corner. Mm-hmm. He said he thought he still had it. So I think all boxing enthusiasts and everybody that saw the first fight would assume that Floyd Mayweather will win this thing. But I like that they're both going back to the bank. This is a huge cash in for both of them. And we'll all buy it regardless. Yep. Money grab. They'll probably get my 75 bucks. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Me too. They'll get my money, AJ. Oh yeah, is Connor so Connor's still with the UFC? So Dana has to be on board with this as well, just like last does time. Does he have right? contracts? I, I, does he have fights left on his contract? Actually, I don't I know because he did. Is, is he out of the testing protocol? Is that why these pictures pop up and he looks jacked? Is he not being tested now? Yeah, and Usada's one to fucking get you, right? Not that Connor's oh, yeah. on. Don't come wake him up. You got to do your whereabouts, Although, everything. The pictures are very damning. Right, he's like he's a billionaire now. Right he's now? Jacked. He's oh a my billionaire God. now at this point. He he's got times. he's got vascularity on his abs now at this point. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. He's on his yacht, he's living. And obviously it's completely clean and he, if he's if he has any UFC fights left, he's still in the USADA training or testing yeah. program, I'd assume. So who knows what the whole deal is. I mean, so will there be man. testing for the fight? See, that's why it's an exhibition or real fight. Exhibition right? means no testing, right? Because <laughs> then you don't have to get it sanctioned. 
Yeah, and the fight. Oh, let's be... do an exhibition, guys. Let's, let's see both of them weigh two twenty. Yes. See how they do. I want I want vascularity on every ab. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. I would like for myself. I assume Connor's thinking the same thing, and it appears that if he's nice. going for it. His cardio is going to be the big question. Yeah. And I think if you talk about the legitimacy of the fight, cardio is going to be the big question for Connor. He's been waking up in yachts and living his best life, but so is Floyd. Mm-hmm. So is Floyd. So I guess it's a good test at this point. Yeah, I believe Floyd did say, hey, for the right price, like, fuck it, I'll put 15-0 on the line. I'll do that, whatever. So we'll see what the uh, the purse ends up being. But you talk about Connor, you know, you want to see him at 220. He weighs 220 right now. At least. Huge. Like, he, he, that like guy's it. usually fighting at 145, 155. He weighs 220 pounds right now. We don't know how tall he is. How tall is Connor McGregor? 5'10", 5'11". Is he a taller guy? Floyd's kind of what? 5'8". Uh, Floyd's Floyd? small, too. 5'7". I thought seven. they were similar. I, just I guess 5'9". I just always assume that the 140-pounders and 155-pounders of the UFC – if we were to see them in person and they had real ears, yes. didn't have the cauliflower ear, we'd be like, look at that tiny little person. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what we would say. And then that person would fucking break yeah. both of our arms oh, yeah. and knock us out and then spit on us on the way out, right? Yeah. Like that is... Yes. guy from Oklahoma in the bathroom last year. Bingo. That's exactly how it goes. So I always assume they're kind of smaller. Still can beat the fuck out of me. Not saying that. But I, I thought they were all. You're saying Connor's a little bit taller. Is that maybe he's not though? I don't know. Like, cause I, I guess I'm just thinking. 140 like, pounds is tiny. Yeah, so yeah. small. That is so small. That is seventh, eighth grade for me. Look at like Sugar Sean. You know, like he's he's lanky. He's a little bit he's a little bit taller. He's got a, a, a long reach for whatever reason. I haven't seen him fight in the octagon in so long, but. I felt like that was kind of his big thing, too, is that he did have, like, a, a substantial reach advantage over the guys in his fight. Nonetheless, what uh, um, Floyd and Connor both humped each other in the middle of that fight last time, the mm-hmm, boxing mm-hmm. match? Yep. At one point, they were both bent over and yep. humping each other. Do you remember that? It was a real show. Yeah. Remember, he would, Connor kept getting behind him and, like, getting, you know, boxing almost, like, grabbing him. And then, but the marketing press conference run exactly. was yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's what will yeah. be awesome. The fight will be one thing, but like watching them cut promos against each other will be incredible. It's a full spectacle. Yeah. Remember that time? I mean, there was... They yeah, were Weasel, like a, you don't fucking do nothing. Yeah. Who was the guy from Showtime that he called a rat or a weasel? Oh, the guy yeah. was sitting on the end. Is it the yeah. promoter? Yeah, you'll sit there and do nothing. <laughs> and like, like that that type of shit. If they're going to do that again, let's go. I am all in for this in the sports world. I mean, the, the last UFC fight he fought in, he threw that full monster can like across the, the press room, almost hit oh, someone yeah. in the head in the back, like... He plays no games. He's putting on a show when he goes out there and when he goes in the ring. Like, yeah, I mean, who cares? Let these guys fight anywhere in a parking lot. People will buy it. And congrats to Connor because he's already comfortable boxing. He's done a boxing match. It's gone 12 rounds or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have to worry about breaking his ankles or his shins. No. And they'll make a lot of money. And he, a lot of Biggest payday he'll – the second yeah. biggest payday he'll ever have. Uh, unless proper 12. They sold proper 12, didn't they? I think they sold proper 12. He got a big fucking payday yeah, out of that. 500 million. Now, Big money it, from that, yeah. What is it, the Forged Inn or something over there, the, his bar? What is it called? Oh, I don't know. I, I know, though, he doesn't mess around. He, he flew 10 of his buddies private from Ireland when he had wanted to go attack that bus and take the dolly and try to throw it yep. through the window. <laughs> yep. like, He's he one of one. One yeah. of one. That documentary about him, Notorious, so Unreal. cool. Him sleeping in the, like, the attic of his yeah. mom's house while he's training, making next to nothing. All the way through all of it. Yeah, food stamps. Uh, we have some breaking news in this particular conversation. Oh, Floyd Mayweather might have told people that it was hey. on. Conor McGregor says, not hashtag interested. not interested. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Got to take the ticker down. Hashtag not interested, says Conor McGregor. 
Come on, Connor. All right, Connor. All right. Is this leverage? Smart, smart yeah, negotiator. Say right. Not interested. They give him seventy-five million. I'm sure he'll he'll be interested. He might like being two twenty. He's a good businessman. Is it going to do numbers though? Is it going to do numbers like the last one? Though? Yeah. He's a great businessman. He is an incredible yeah. businessman. Uh, Connor was in the, almost the prime of his career back then. Not the prime, but he was he was hot back then when they fought. He still is Conor McGregor, but still he hasn't been as active lately. Yeah. Think about how long ago was that? Four years ago? 18, maybe? yeah. I think four, four years. Hmm. Well, I could change in four years, I guess, but also I'd still I'm watch watching. it. You got me 100%. watching. You got, I'll, I'll fucking buy it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Let's go for it. All right, let's bounce around the NFL a little bit. There was a trade earlier today that we did not talk about in the NFL. Oh, a trade happened in the NFL. I think it was Patriots Raiders. I think I'm not really. I think so. Did we get Darren Waller? No. Oh, fuck. Renfro. Renfro. Really? No. 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 no Devonte? No. No. <laughs> Max Crosby? No. Chandler? No. Chandler. Derek Abram, hey, he seems to be playing. Remember a couple years ago, Hard Knocks, I was like, oh, this guy's the worst guy to ever grace a team. Yeah. Why would anybody want to have this guy on your team? Oh, I go hard. Okay, we all fucking go hard, pal. You're spearing people in practice and walk through. Anybody could do that. It's the NFL. Oh, I'm trying to make a name for myself. Okay, cool. Fucking make plays on the field. Gets injured early, right? Yeah. Almost becomes yeah. something. Uh-huh. It seems like he's he was making plays for the Raiders this past weekend, like flying all over the place. He, he might have matured into a real fucking player over there. You know, he flies around. He's one of those guys you got to just put in the right situation and let him fly around and just be a heat sick and missile Not fun player great, to watch uh can't be can't be once again if he's in the right situation you don't want him you know in a lot of coverage you know on an island covering guys but uh you can definitely find a way to win first round pick for a reason i yeah. like the way Physical. i like the way people are gassing him up though in hard knocks for like hitting mm-hmm. like yeah this is what we this need, we need it. it's like yeah. bro anybody can fucking blindside a guy in a wall i could do that yeah. I, literally the punter yeah. could go do that let's not get crazy feels like he may be matured into his role and this new period of McDaniels running things and a new team might be great for him. Well, and he's one of the guys, too, that they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Right. So it really is like a, hey, if you don't have the best year I'm that sure you've had. There's, you know, McDaniels and Wolf, they have no allegiance to you whatsoever. Josh Jacobs, same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, the trade was not for any of these guys we just talked about. <laughs> Come on. It was actually for the Raiders are trading for Patriots offensive tackle Justin Heron with the team's flipping yes. picks in 2024. Some solid tackle depth. So the Raiders just lose to the Cardinals Obviously, this past weekend in a game that they should have won. Mm-hmm. Who knows what this Raiders team is going to be? But you guys hope they suck next year, so this ends up being a great pick. Yeah, not even next year. Hopefully, later in the year they really just quit on the season because I think we get them like week fourteen. Week oh, 15, so. hair and revenge game. Yeah, oh, bet yeah. on a tackle score when the Patriots play the Raiders because I assume he will. All right, let's bounce around a little bit more. Eli Manning went undercover at Penn State as a walk-on named Chad Powers. This was awesome. Yeah. Normally, these types of gimmick things I hate. I think the internet makes too big of a deal out of them. I understand it's a big name, but normally it's way too corny, way too forced, and obviously staged. Chad Powers with that fucking makeup, that nose, that hair. <laughs> Unreal. You could tell it was Eli when he was throwing, AJ. Could tell it was Eli when he was throwing. But everything else, especially with the way he was acting and talking, I don't think it's, it, I don't blame anybody on campus for not knowing. Why is Eli Manning here at a fucking walk-on tryout? What a great job by all parties involved there. Yeah, that was incredible. And I don't know if uh, – I, I think there's a chance that maybe, like, the QB coach that was there running everything, he 
I don't know if he was in on it. Maybe he was. Oh, I, I don't think it, no, he no, no way. Idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had no idea. But to your point, too, uh, I think it's already, you know, jumped the shark territory because I've seen a couple places are like, oh, we like Chad Powers. We want to do more with that. So Don't do it. Yeah, exactly. It was Maybe great. going to ruin it. Eli, Eli knows yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, it was he knows it alone. Eli yeah. knows the Mannings, though. Other people might want to do it and might, might get Chad Powers in there for a workout. The Mannings, though, that was a home run. Can't go any better than it went. Let's not run this thing in the ground. Yeah, and Eli, like everything he said in response to the coach's real questions, like where'd you play <laughs> high school ball? Uh, homeschool. I was homeschooled. Oh, who was your teacher? My mom. How were your grades? Bad. Bad. Bad teacher, because she was also my football coach. Good yeah. coach. Good coach. What a yeah. fucking... He crushed it. He everything did. he did was hilarious. I loved it, AJ. Normally that type of shit we hate. Uh, yeah. that, that one seemed to be glorious. Fast chat. He was, Fast chat. Because Eli, Eli and Peyton both, like, you talk to people that play with Eli, they're like, man, this dude is awesome. He's very funny. They, they all love him. And then I, I like that we get to see that. That's why I think he's great. With his brother there on the, the Manning cast. Too. I also enjoy the fact that they get access to do. Look at this fucking guy. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. That's the he's other quarterback. So, that's the other walk so on. Tall. That's a walk on quarterback. And that face, can we pause it right on his face when he's looking at the camera, maybe? Uh, we'll figure <laughs> it out. We'll find a time. It, it does have an Archie Manning look. Oh, yeah. But nobody of this generation has a clue what Archie Manning used to look like. They only see him now. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> can you tell that's. You can't fucking tell that's Eli, I don't think. Like, no way. That nose is. Yeah. Hollywood done looks like the witch. Yeah. Some good prosthetics, man. It does look Unreal. a little witchy nose, and the hair flow is great, and the accent's fantastic. And him committing to the bit, the throws. I, you know, we go into watching it. We're told it's Eli Manning, mm -hmm. right? But him throw. I think his throw is a pretty distinct throw. Yeah, how he holds the ball. When yes. he holds it up like around us. That's a, that is like okay. That's Eli. So the quarterback coach, or if it's just a GA running the workout, not necessarily the quarterback coach or whatever this guy. Him not knowing it made me be like, this guy doesn't know fucking football. Doesn't know that's Eli yeah. Manning. Yeah. But everything else, I think he would have got by on. D -Line. He thought he found a diamond in the rough. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. makes good I throws. like this power kid. We're that gonna win the natty. I scouted. Hey, where'd you go to school just so I can say that I fucking recruited you? Yeah. I was homeschooled. All right, I, right. I am the homeschool recruiting coordinator. That is, <laughs> yeah, so that is an accurate read there. What a time. He what should have said, yeah, I modeled my game after Eli Manning so that when he was throwing the ball, the coach was like, shit, he, he looks like the second coming of Eli Manning. I, I assume Eli had a full answer ready to go Yeah, if they did say it was Eli Manning and prepared, but never got to that point. That was just like Aaron whenever he said immunized. Mm -hmm. yeah. He said, hey, I had a full, if any. Follow-up. They asked, hey, I'd answer. Oh, it's a plant, AJ. It's not a drug, asshole. <laughs> that was you that said that, spells. man. Oh. You're the one that keeps you're casting spells everywhere you go. <laughs> well, the way words are spelled oh. is because they're casting spells and they're trying to make a program like a television, huh? They're trying to program you. I mean, that hey, is that's right. I got friends that don't even say good morning anymore. Did you just watch the football show? No, they just don't say good morning. Oh, so they why, say why would be why would be celebrate morning? Because you're oh, that's celebrating what, life. That's with a U, though. It's a well, spell, all right. You're right. Don't put that spell on me. You're right. Great, hey. rise, great rising, King. Oh, oh, great rising. Uh, okay. Oh, rising like the Bills. I might say the Buffalo, North Dakota State Bison. Is that what oh. you're saying? Oh no. no, I was talking I about that thing. You're thinking about Kaizen. Oh, Kaizen. Kaizen. Excuse me. Always getting better. Yes. Always evolving. That's a Buffalo Bills mantra. Not right. riding the roller coaster. Man, so morning is a little sad if you put the U in there, but whenever you say it, you can't tell how it's being spelled. Nope. So we should be saying, hey, great celebration. Yeah, but what yeah. if it was a good morning? Like someone terrible died. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Hitler. Well, then you're not going to mourn though. Boom. Won't mourn that. Hitler dies. Larry Hall. Boom. Great mourning, huh? Yeah, but you're not mourning at all because mourning means yeah. grief, caring. Yeah. You're right, D. But I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe we've been saying that for this whole time. The sun is up. The Good sun has risen. Yeah. Yeah, but. Good day. Good Every rising. new beginning comes yeah, from. Yeah, good rising. There we go. Yeah. Good rising. Good, good day, I think, works. Great wake. Top uh, of the morning, lad. Congratulations. We're yeah, alive. Can't say wake because. Yeah, it's mm, a funeral. No. We'll figure it out. We'll get to the bottom of it. We'll let everybody know how they should fucking greet each other in uh, before noon. Sounds okay? good. Like, let it, we'll figure it out here by the end of the show, and I can't wait for it. <laughs> Might be a part of everything DB. Uh, there is some news around the NFL. A. Um, Appeal has been denied by Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was suspended one game for what happened on the field with Marshawn Lattimore. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing against the Green Bay Packers. That's why you heard the celebration from Ty Schmidt. Now, interesting little tidbit about this. Runyon, who is the um, punisher for the NFL for this type of thing, who rained down the initial one-game suspension, has a son who plays for the Packers, who the Buccaneers are playing this weekend. Whoa. Now, Runyon was not the one that heard the appeal. It was somebody else that was independently selected by the NFL and the NFLPA. Heard the appeal yesterday, has upheld the ruling. Mike Evans will be suspended a game, which doesn't just mean that the Buccaneers are out Mike Evans against the Packers. He's also losing a game check, which is no fun for anybody. Tampa Bay has Cole Beasley on their squad. Now is Cole Beasley the next Wes Welker? Is Cole Beasley the next Julian Edelman? Is he the next Danny Amendola? Is Scotty Miller going to also fill that role? We find out that this weekend against the Green Bay Packers. AJ Hawk. Yeah, I think for Mike Evans, yeah, he's losing a game check, which absolutely sucks. Hopefully, big checks. Uh, he, yeah, the team's going to miss him, but you know what? It was worth it. I think he did the right thing. I, I understand. Yeah, you hit him in the back. He's protecting his quarterback. Whatever you can do to protect your teammates and your quarterback goes a long way. And Mike Evans has a history of doing this, and I think everybody knows and respects him on that team. He actually said to the ref, it's Tom Brady. What do you want me to do? Yeah, That's on. real. Yeah. What do you want me to do? He's a repeat offender, they said, because he had done this to the same exact guy on a sideline in a 30-3 to loss to the Saints just a few years back. Bruce Arians, allegedly <laughs> via in. Antonio Brown has been written up. That's Antonio Brown <laughs> yeah. said per sources, the league has wrote a letter to Bruce Arians for his actions on the sidelines and say that he will have to change the way it goes because he instigated this entire fight against Marshawn Lattimore. That's via Antonio Brown's Twitter account. He right. does have sources. I would assume that is potentially the case. And if something's happened with Bruce Arians, somebody's going to tell AB about it. <laughs> but Mike Evans did what I think a lot of teammates would hope that their teammates would do if the starting quarterback is in the middle of a fuck you bitch fest with Marshawn Lattimore, a person you already have beef with. Did Lattimore get anything for that punch on Fournette? Mm. He got know. ejected too. Rusty got ejected, but yeah, no, no, no fine, right? He's got to get fired. I like that this happened, though. I love so it. Do I. I yes. enjoy the hell out of it. I like that B.A. was even talking shit on the sideline. Joining us now is a man who knows B.A. very well. Also a man who I've seen talk shit on the sideline, mm. who will mix it up if he has to. Been a head coach before, been an offensive guru. He's an absolute stallion, friend of the program. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who's coached not only with the Steelers, but also with the Browns ahead of their big matchup tomorrow, Todd Haley. Yeah, Todd! Todd, what's up, man? I do not make as much noise as AJ Hawk on the golf course, though. Whoa! What happened? Where did we learn that case? Uh, did you did you golf with him? In Tahoe. He's the Tahoe. He's the Monica Sellis of uh, guy golfers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, let's talk about B.A., a man you know well. Uh, he mixes it up there with Marshawn Lattimore. A fight starts. Mike Evans does his thing. He gets fined, or he gets suspended. Find a game check, obviously. We love AJ just said he loves it. I love it. I'd assume you, a guy who's been around football a long time, Mike Evans had to do that, and Mike Evans expected to do that, and not nobody cares in that building. Right, Todd? Yeah, no, I mean, it's Tom Brady. And, um, you know, however it started, whether it was B.A. or whether it was Lattimore saying something to Tom, whatever it was, Tom turned around pretty quick. Uh, but uh, when you're talking about that guy, uh, I-, I thought it was great. I mean, it was it was hockey on the football field. I mean, you, you have to protect you have to protect your players. Okay, so let's start talking about tomorrow night's game because obviously you've been with Pittsburgh and with Cleveland, and we're going to talk to you about a lot of things because, Todd, we fucking love the way your brain works, pal. Man, we we have a lot of questions for it. Tomorrow, both these teams are kind of going through shit right now. Pittsburgh, new quarterback for the first time, long time. Fans are chanting for the backup. Obviously, you got different injuries taking place. The offensive coordinator is getting run through the mud, through all of the injuries for that lackluster offense. And then in Cleveland, they got a players-only meeting already happening after week two. What's your read as a man who's been in both organizations on how tomorrow night's probably going to go, Todd? Well, it's par for the course. If you're the coordinator for the Steelers, uh, you're going to get run through the mud some, even even when you score 40-some points but um, and break every record, every offensive record there was. But that's neither here nor there. Um, um, you know, I think right now without Deshaun Watson in there, they're very similar teams. They're teams, and there's a number of teams in this situation that have to play really good defense, uh, play it a little closer to the vest on offense, run the football, and make less mistakes than your opponent. Um, are the Browns better on paper? Probably because of the offensive line and the and the running backs. I mean, they're, that two-headed monster is really good. But, you know, both these teams play have to play the same brand of football. And I know the, the Yenzers in Pittsburgh are screaming, we need to be aggressive, we need to do this. But, yes, the Steeler receivers have to do more. Uh, to help Trubisky. But at the same time, I mean, I, I don't think this can ever be a wide open team right now with the Steelers. And and I don't think the Browns can be wide open with Brissett at quarterback. And I really like that uh, that fit for him with the Browns right now until we get to Deshaun and see what he looks like. But um, play good defense, uh, run the football, don't make mistakes. And I know it's conservative, but you know, I went into last week, the Pats Steelers, and I'm like, the, nobody's going to score 20 points. Um, you know, and, and it's like the Seattle-Denver uh, game. Uh, going for it on fourth and one with six minutes left in the third quarter when Denver did. I mean, Geno Smith was not going to lay 30 points on you, even though he started the game well. Um, y- you have to you have to understand, you know, what it's going to take to win a- each and every game. And Mike Tomlin does a great job of that. If they don't muff a punt and don't turn it over, the Steelers had a very good chance to win that game. It's just, it's not flashy or pretty, but I think that's the way the games are going to have to look. The Browns had the game in hand, and and what they do in the back end, this has continued for a couple years now. I mean, they have to get that sorted out because they got a great front, but what they're doing back there, I mean, when you're letting guys run untouched uncovered for the easiest touchdowns you'll ever score i mean it's just crazy todd what yeah what do you think that is we've seen more like crazy ending games we've seen free runners which is something you don't we don't tend to see i feel like in the nfl early this season 
I don't know why it just seems like a lot of them have popped up more than usual. Is there a reason for that? It's coaches trying to uh, be more important than they probably should be. Keep it simple. Uh, let guys play fast. Uh, don't make them worry about a lot of things. Um, you know, but I think, you know, when you have all this time in the offseason, all these coaches, and they're good coaches. I'm not saying bad coaching is going on, but you, you just, you know, Parcells taught me this for many, many years. I mean, you better, you, you don't blame it on the players. You know, uh, make sure you're doing things that they can do to be successful, play fast, physical. Uh, when you see guys point at each other like you saw in the Ravens game, uh, Marcus Peter, I mean, everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else. I mean, you're probably doing uh, – I'm guessing you're probably doing too much or asking the players to do too much. Yeah, because they clearly can't understand what's going on. And I think if anybody's clear-minded, it's a much better football player than if you have to think or overreact too much. We're talking to Todd Haley, been a head coach in the NFL, been an offensive guru, broke records with the Pittsburgh Steelers Hell yeah. as their yeah. offense coordinator. I learned that in the beginning of this whole thing. Got fucking ran out of town. Mm -hmm. I love everything about it. Pittsburgh's a tough place to play. Let's talk about, uh, or coach, let's talk about some rookie head coaches here. At the beginning, uh, week one, rookie head coaches were doing great. Then we had the Nathaniel Hackett situation with Russell Wilson in a 64-yard uh, field goal. Now, if that 64-yard field goal goes in, He's a genius. If not, obviously everybody's calling in to question everything. When you become a head coach and you have to take on, he's doing the play calling duties and the situational awareness and trying to lead the crew. How much is that and how difficult is that to kind of get a hold of? Because he's saying, I think to a lot of stuff. And Darius's first response was, we don't need you fucking thinking, pal. Let's get a little confidence in here. How long is that going to take, you think, for Nathaniel Hackett or any of these other young guys to kind of find the, find the waters level almost? See, that's why we connect, because some of my most hated words in the vocabulary are think, hope, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, you do not want to hear those words. Um, you know, to me, it goes back, and I mentioned it, but six minutes in the third quarter, uh, you can pull the game to within one point, just kick a field goal. Points are precious. Uh, you, you saw that in the first couple weeks across the board. I mean, you just can't give away points. And again, taking into consideration, they weren't playing Patrick Mahomes, they were playing Geno Smith. Take those points, and maybe we're not even in that situation at the end of the game. But uh, if you if you make the investment for Russell Wilson, and uh, as much as ever, you know, you would have liked York or one of these up and coming kickers that is going to, you know, bypass you uh, to see a 60, 64, 65 yard kick. But I mean, put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. Um, I thought one of the funnier things of last weekend was the crowd counting down the play clock because, yeah. and, and I'm not minim minimizing. It's not, you know, I became a head coach. There is a lot of stuff you got to worry about. Uh, so, you know, you try to, you know, the one thing he didn't do is surround himself with a lot of veteran coaches. I had a bunch of older coaches on the staff uh, that I leaned on a bunch and some of those situational things, you know, I had Mike Vrabel on the team. He'd be standing over my shoulder telling me, hey, Todd, uh, look at the clock, look at the clock, you know. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's just put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. Um, understand, I mean, the, the delay of games and things this week, I mean, you just can't do it. It's uh, a men's can't. league, Todd. Todd, it's a men's league. Like, this type of shit doesn't fly, especially, hey, richest – Richest owner in sports. They got the richest owner in sport right now with Walton. They just paid him 265. Like, hate to say it to Nathaniel Hackett, who everybody loves. Like, 
this isn't this isn't like peewee football or high school. And he knows that he's been around the NFL a long time. He's gonna have to fucking figure it out quick. It sounds like Todd over there. Yeah, and, and and the other thing that bothered me just a little bit, and this is no slight on anybody, but who is his PR guy? Because right after the first week, you know, it's him and Russell sitting down. Where where did I have? I never had a PR guy that helped helped my perception at all. I mean, they're sitting there hugging each other, talking about break dancing. Uh, hugging after the game all you saw me do was yell and I wasn't yelling all the time you never saw the pictures of my daughters on my shoulders at training camp and the happy things no you just saw <laughs> so I needed a PR guy whoever he's got and how they're covering this up is I need one of those <laughs> oh, yeah. Connor your question for Todd Haley a yeah. guy who's a great dad Great dad, you just never get to see it. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Todd, you mentioned the Patriots having zero chance to score 20 points. What do you think is going to happen there with that offense? And is there any chance maybe you come back, help Mac Jones develop into an MVP and call plays for the Patriots? I'm a head coach for the USFL currently, and we're going to get to year two. So, um uh, no, I mean, the Patriots, it, <laughs> you, you all know it's an evolution. you got to get better as the season goes on. You can't overreact. Um, am I worried about them a little bit at times? But I think their defense is really good. They're obviously going to be coached very well. The offensive coaches, they're going to work that out. Uh, I expect them to get better, but uh, they're another team that just play good defense, run the football, keep it close, and and – and try to stay in games and, and make a play at the end. There, there's a bunch of teams in that category right now. Now, that doesn't mean it won't change and teams don't, you know, get better. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the Ravens secondary is going to get better. It has to. I'm assuming the Browns aren't going to do uh, everything possible to get beat at the end of that game, you know, going all the way up to the spinner on side off the tee, which I liked. Great uh, suck up for me, did it off the ground, but uh, – uh, the off the tee was pretty unique, but they did everything they possibly could from Chubb not going down. I mean, that has to be coached up. Um, you just, you know, you know what it is. You can't do things to get you beat. Todd, when you were the head coach uh, for the Chiefs, your quarterback, uh, Matt Castle, I know there for a little bit. I, I spent a little time around you guys. You seem to have a great rapport. Castle is a, a friend of the show. We Legend. love having him on. Yeah. Is that is that key to for the head coach and the quarterback to have like a an honest and authentic real relationship? Uh, I think it's it's very important. Um, you know, you get defensive head coaches, and again, Mike Tomlin's one of my favorite of all time. Parcells was a defensive guy. But uh, when you have an offensive coach uh, that understands what you're doing is in all the meetings, I think it, it's a benefit. Um, you know, is it mandatory? No, but, uh, you know, when you have those communications, and again, Matt and I, I mean, Matt responded to getting yelled at. So, again, he, he had to take the wrath a couple times, but he generally responded. But, um, you know, it, when, you're, when you're in those meetings with those guys most of the week, it, it makes it a little easier to coach. You know, I think you saw it with Dayball and Daniel Jones in the first game. I mean, I thought that was – that was a good little clip that was shown on the sideline. I mean, it was a mistake. It was one of the few mistakes Daniel made in that game, but it was a bad one. Could have been very costly, but you immediately saw the head coach, who's an offensive guy over there talking to him, and, and it wasn't like he was patting him on the butt saying, everything's okay, don't worry about it. I mean, he was coaching him and, and getting after him a little bit. So 
I, I think when you're around those guys, it, it makes guy, you know the offensive players, the quarterbacks specifically, a little less sensitive to some of that. All right, let's talk about being on the same page because you were a play caller, a great one. And everybody talks about how play calling is a skill, it's an ability. Some people are brand new play calling on the offensive side of the ball. Hackett's one of them. There's numerous other places. McDaniel's mm-hmm. doing it for the first time in a long time. What is that like uh, for some? Do some people just not have it? Like, what do you what do you think is the most important part? of being a good play caller and how long can you tell if a guy's fucking worth a shit or not as a play caller in the NFL? Um, it's very difficult. Um, you know, I was, I, I was not the play caller early in Arizona and, and Ken Wisenhunt turned it over to me halfway through the, the, the first year and, and the first play I called, we called a skinny post and Kurt hit it for a 70 yard touchdown. That's a good way to start. Uh, but, <laughs> That's Kurt Warner throwing the football. But, um, you know, I can't undersell what uh, uh, Dorsey's doing in Buffalo um, because – and everybody wants to say, oh, he's been there, he's been with Josh. No, I mean, when when the game starts and that clock's ticking, I mean, the number one thing is you, you, you've got to be prepared, obviously, but you uh, you got to be able to think very fast, not be distracted. Um, you know, I was good at yelling while I was calling a play. <laughs> Um, I'm just, I think you got to be a multitasker. Um, you know, Dick LeBeau said it to me, uh, I, I got to the airplane. I wasn't late and I wasn't last, but I, my son had fallen in the driveway at a bloody lip. So I was racing to Pittsburgh to get to the airplane and got on the plane and Dick and I always sat together and, and I, he said, you all right? And I said, yeah, just, you know, chaos at home. And he goes, I bet that comes in handy when you're calling plays in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you got a lot of a lot of voices. You got five kids. You know, I see, you know, friends of mine have one kid and they can't function. I mean, it is a full time, but you know, we went through the first kid thing and then once you get to five, I mean, you stop plugging the uh, electrical outlets, you stop strapping everything up and you learn to block, you learn to block everything out. And I really think that's one of the keys. You better be a fast thinker and you better be able to block out all distractions. We're going to find out if uh, some of these guys got in. If they don't, Ken Dorsey and Josh have been fantastic. Yeah, uh, It seems like uh, Tua and McDaniel have been fantastic. Hackett and yeah. Russell Wilson publicly not on the same page. That's what Hackett said. They're going to have to get there, I think, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a process. And, uh, you know, you, you love to get off to a fast start. I mean, hey, if I'm uh, Mike McDaniel and, and – two coverages are busted that allow the fastest guy in the NFL to run free for easy pitch and catch touchdowns. I'm a much better coach. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, they did a lot in the fourth quarter. I'm not taking, you know, anything away, but you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this Dolphins bills matchup. I think it'll be a, you know, we'll know a lot more about the Dolphins after this week's over. Yeah. And the bills seem to be unstoppable. D but your question for coach Todd Haley. Hey, Todd, now obviously uh, talent is important, but as a play caller, would you, especially a new play caller, would you rather be what kind of an older quarterback who's been around the block a while like Russell Wilson or maybe a young guy too who's still trying to you know, figure it out with a lot of new weapons around him? One of those top five quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Old, don't young, care. don't matter, just top five. If he's young or old, if he's good, uh, that's who you want to be with. It, it's just you know, the whole process, the week you go through to get ready for a game, who are your best players? How do I design most every play to go to that guy first? It doesn't mean it's gonna, because coverage is gonna dictate it, but um, 
get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And if you got one of those really good quarterbacks that makes you look good, even when it's a bad play call, that that's a that's icing on the cake. Yeah, it's really nice if you call a play and your quarterback can do a twenty second two point conversion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's great. You're a genius, then, what Todd. Hey, Carl. <laughs> Ty, your question for Coach Todd Haley. Todd, if I remember correctly, you were with Baker in Cleveland his rookie year. Were you surprised with how everything played out in Cleveland? And also, do you think he's going to get a fair shake in Carolina with, you know, there's a good chance his head coach is going to get fired in the next few weeks if they don't get things figured out? Well, I mean, it's it's not a situation you want to see anybody in. Um you know, the, the key to me is Baker just has to be better. Uh, he does a lot of things good. He's a, he's like me on the pool table. I can be very streaky. You know, if you catch me at the right time, you think I'm Fats Domino. But, um, or Minnesota Fats, not Fats Domino. But, um, you know, he has to Who the be- fuck is that? Yeah. We don't know who that is, dude. We have no idea who that is. Minnesota Fats. You'll see him. He's he's one of the great pool players of all time. Is he get down anyway, low like the widow? What was that? The uh, uh, Black Widow. Black Jeanette Widow. Lee. She was she was on ESPN there for a bit. Is that your style? You get down in there, jaw on the stick or no? Couple drinks, get streaky, get hot. Same as the golf course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's amazing. You're saying Baker's anyway, like that though. Baker Baker is not going to survive. Uh, he's not fast enough. He's not big enough. Uh, and everybody talked about the injuries last year. But my belief is until he develops into a better pocket passer with quick decisions that the ball comes out accurately to the right guy, if he has to play outside the pocket, these guys are going to they're going to continue to hurt him. I mean, he just can't hold up. So uh, he has to he has to take major strides from the pocket um, like picture drew drew Brees. i mean he outthought everybody the ball came out he protected himself he wasn't a guy that was i mean he'd scramble occasionally but uh guys like him that aren't russell wilson or aren't deshaun watson or they can get out and get away and do all these things josh uh allen he's gotta he's gotta play from the pocket because there's gonna be too many situations in a game that if you don't make good decisions and good throws in those situations it's you know, it's it's not going to lead to good stuff. We're talking to Todd Haley right now. Matt Rule might be on his way out, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Ty alluded to that. They've lost nine straight. Second richest owner in the league. He's gotten rid of everybody. If he doesn't think he can win a Super Bowl, see you later. Matt Rule just got to be walking into that office, looking in a mirror and just being like, I don't know how many more days I got here. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have that. That has to happen, right? Coaches know when they're probably on the fucking hot seat. Uh, they won't ever tell you that, but uh... – yeah, I mean, you start to feel the pressure. God, you got to block it all out, though. That's why you got to have 10 kids to be a good coach. <laughs> uh, Todd, we appreciate you so much for joining us. Good luck to the Tampa Bay Bandits, huh? Yeah. Let's yeah. fucking win one. Did we, hey, were we good last year? Were we good? Uh, we lost a lot of games on the last play, but uh, we were in it till the end. But it, it was a lot of fun. These guys are hungry to see a Turpin make it on the Cowboys. That's huge. Uh, you would have loved my kicker. He had so many trick punts and Let's kickoffs. Go. He was good. That's uh, awesome. Well, we can't wait to watch second season. Obviously, we keep up with you on SiriusXM. You're the man. We can't thank you enough for joining us, Todd. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yinzer, Todd Haley. Thank yeah, you. Todd. Big thanks to Darius Butler. Yeah, 
Winning people money. That was the first draw from NBA 3. Unreal. That was amazing. He dunks. He does this. He breaks down film. He's electrifying. We appreciate you. AJ, great show today. Toxic Table, thank you so much. To everybody in the back, you're the best. If you watched... God damn it, we love you. Uh, can't wait for tomorrow as we lead into the Pittsburgh Steelers-Cleveland Browns matchup on Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime with Coach Chuck Pagano breaking some things down. D-Butt will be here. Our guy Tone will still be missing because he had a baby the other day with his beautiful so, wife. Congratulations, congratulations. Happy for you, pumped for you. We'll see you guys, Minyana. AJ, thank you, pal. Thank you, guys. All right, thank you, AJ. Thank, thank you, you, AJ. All right, thank cheers, you. everybody. Goodbye.